when we not talk about family when family's all that we got everything i would do you were standing there by my side and now you're gonna be with me for the last time hello and welcome to too fast too forever there's all kinds of family we chose this one this is episode 38 fast and furious lap four I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Men's Warehouse. For over hmm. 40 years, they've been helping men like the way they look. They've been able to make good on that promise thanks to the world-class customer service delivered each and every day by their dedicated employees. So, thank you, Men's Warehouse. I'm wearing my nice new suit. Hope you are, too. Joe, you're going to like the way you look. Thank you. I guarantee it. Thank you. You've seen those commercials, right? Yeah, that's the mid-part intro to the when the guest comes in, but sure, yes. Well, you know, I have to, I mean, I feel like they got to lead with their best foot forward. We can bring it up again later, but we're here, Fast and Furious number four, joining us later after the break. Do you know why Men's Warehouse was the sponsor, though? Ooh, why is Men's Warehouse the sponsor? Because you wear pink when you're climbing out of the barrio? Because Brian is nicely suited up throughout this episode. Also that, but I do feel like at the end, when, you know, it's it's Campos is Braga, Braga is, Braga is Campos, Brian says that you wear pink because he's got the pink checkered tire or whatever on. He says you wear pink when you climbed out of the barrio or you fought your way out of the barrio. And he doesn't speak. Yeah. So there's a couple reasons. So shout out Men's Warehouse. Thank you, Men's Warehouse. Joining us after the break will be the former co-host, I guess the only co-host, but one of the original podcasts here on the Podcast Network, Monkey Club. Joining yeah. us will be Christian Larson. Joining Which us is cool, because we've never done an episode with, with Larson. Yes, you have, you have done. I've done a handful of, I've done a bunch I mean, with, yeah. uh, with Mike. I mean, yeah. We, the plural. The royal we? The royal we. And um, I like Larson a lot, and I've like now met and hung out with him a couple times, and we've talked, and he's a funny guy, so I'm excited. Also, I want to say, you know, we had another guest lined up, because here, we were always going to have Larson on. Uh, yes. We're having Larson, he sort of did us a favor, because we had another guest back out. I'm trying in my best way that I can to sort of keep the gender balance in check a little bit. Like, I know yep, we have a lot of doing dudes it. on yep. here. We I had know. a lady lined up tonight. Things couldn't, like, her schedule didn't work out. Like, you know, we she tried. had to come up, we moved dropped it too. out. We moved it a bunch, so I know. Happens. So we've talked about it a little bit. Somebody emailed in. It might have been Wes. It might have been somebody else. I tried to have some kind of a balance here. We were going to have a lady tonight. She will be on in the future. I'm aware that we have a lot of dudes on in a row in this lap, and we're going to have more next week or next episode. But we're coming up with a lap five. We're coming up to lap five, and I think we talked about it. And there's going to be two ladies, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, the rest of this lap. So yeah, things are going to balance out a little bit, but aware of that, just saying. But Larson does a favor. Things fell out. I, I asked him if he wanted to join us. He will be here after the break. But, Joe, before we do that, yes, we have to first do extracurricular activities. I have had a pretty uneventful last two weeks. I went to D.C. for a night for work. Nothing eventful there. The only real thing that I did was that I bought a car, which I guess is a big thing. I bought that's, a car. That's super cool. Did you buy Skyline? I did. I did not, actually. I just bought a... Uh, so I was leasing a 2016 Chevy Cruze. Yes. American Muscle, of course. You know, when you think American Muscle, Chevy Cruze. And then my lease was basically up, and so I bought a new Chevy Cruze. And you bought this one. You didn't lease it. I did, because it was the same monthly cost, and I didn't have to put any money down. Even if in six years, when I'm done paying for this... We don't need cars anymore. I can flip it for some money. A couple thousand dollars, yeah. Exactly. I'm a proponent of buying. I know that leasing makes sense in certain circumstances, but I'm always a proponent of buying. My boss is all about leasing. He likes his new car every two or three years. He if thinks, you do, yeah. I get it, but I also think that... You don't really fight with pricing. You don't have to like deal with the hassle of selling it. I get it. I get it. I do. I'm not rich enough to live in that world. So. And I think I was telling you, and maybe, maybe I'll just say it here because I don't think I said it on the podcast, but I had such an uneventful series of bad experiences, like low-key bad experiences buying this car. Like the first deal 
dealer I went to, the guy that yeah, leased me the car originally left. That's ha- that happens, yeah. Which is fine. That's not that's not the bad part of this. But the guy that I sort of the, that took over my account, if, you, if as it were. Yeah. I go in there and he's like, so like you know what do you want? They tell me about it. And I'm just like, look, I don't really care about cars. He's like, yeah, I don't either. And I was like, mm, you can't say that. Good answer. Good. And I was like, good I answer. Understand. Both of you, by the way, way to do the Fast and Furious podcast, dummy. <laughs> I don't really I, care about cars. Okay. I don't, though. I mean, that's I, been very clear on yeah, the show. Yeah. And I understand that there's like a salesman technique of sort of relatability the customer. Yeah. And whatever they do, you do and whatever. But like that does not fly for me. And so he was just – that was a little He could have done a simple I get it, not me yeah, either. exactly. Right? The bigger thing that, that rubbed me the wrong way about this guy, and I talked to Zach, your friend Zach, who yep. sells cars. And I was like, you know, I got the – the line line item breakdown of what this guy wanted to charge me because he had said, oh, we're going to waive the last nine months of payments. And Zach looked, he's like, oh, that's not true. He's like, that line right there, like that $1,700 or whatever it was. Yeah. He's like, that's you paying for that. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I asked the guy, he's like, no, 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 we're waiving it. I was like, that's not, that's not. So the guy just like lied to me. So I was like, that's whatever. So I went to a different dealer. <laughs> if you call him out too, he could be like, well, that's like a service charge for this. But I, I was just like, oh, uh, he's like, no, you know, no, we're waving. I was like, okay, whatever. Well, then take this fucking seventeen hundred dollars thing off. Just pull <sighs> that line right out. Okay. I went to a second dealership and I found a guy who was like, your current lease is killer. Like he's like, I would not get if I were like, I know that my job is to sell you a car, but if I were you, don't buy a new car. He's like, your your lease right now is so good. Ride it out. Put money away for the next six months or whatever. Get a car of the summer. I was like, cool. I appreciate that. That's really honest and open. Love that. Then I realized I hadn't heard from him in like four months. I email him. Oh, I moved to Atlanta. I was like, oh, okay. So I went to a car dealership number three, and I get handed off to a guy who's basically, you know, the phrase green around the ears, like new to the job. Yes. Does not even begin to describe this guy. So he like, I sit down with him. I might have been his first customer ever. Okay. He's handwriting all of my information. He's like... Name, address, phone number. And then he says to me, you know, after like five minutes of this, like handwriting everything very meticulously, he says, so what kind of things do you want in your car? And I was like, I, I'm like, I know exactly what car I want. Like to the letter, I know exactly what I want. Yeah, exactly. Options, everything. You already came prepared. It's a slam dunk. Just like I want. And this guy's just like, he that doesn't prop. Like he thinks he has to sell me something like, no, no, no. I know what car I want. Meanwhile, this other employee who's been there for a while, it seems like, comes over. He hears me talking that, like, I basically want the car that I have, but new with this sun and sound package, better speakers and a sunroof. And the guy hears me say that, and he's like, hey, do you want this car behind you? It's got a sunroof, and it's not a Chevy Cruze. I don't know what it is, but it's wildly different from a Chevy Cruze. And I was like, no, no, why? I know what car I want. Don't sell me that car. Like, I'm here to buy the car that I want. And I'm just sitting there, and just like, I don't like the vibe of this. And so I'm like, I'm good. And I just start walking out and I get intercepted by a third employee. He's like, hey, whoa, 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 like, what's <laughs> going on? And I say, I'm just not feeling the vibe in here. He's like, well, why don't you tell me? And I tell him, he's just like, oh, we can work with that. I was like, no, like, I know what, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. So I walk out and go to dealership number four, which is where I got the car from. I basically get greeted, I get greeted by a car salesman, like this guy who's probably 60 and just a nice button down and a tie. Yeah. And I'm just like, I want the car. He's like, cool. And like, let's make it happen. And I was like, all right, good. And then he had to get the car from another dealership, but that's not a problem. And like, yeah. it was smooth. I feel like having been in sales for a year and a half, that I'm sort of like the ideal customer because like, I know the price I want to pay, which is what they're going to offer to me for. Yeah. I know the exact car I want. Just yeah. make it happen. And I can walk out of there. Like, I don't need to take up your time. You don't need to like sell me on things. Exactly. Same. I, I don't know wanna, what like, I want. You didn't even need to test drive it. Like, you already have one. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, yeah. 
It's not that hard, yeah. There was a car on site that wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was close. He's like, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you go with this one? I was like, well, I don't want this one. I want the one that I want. He's like, well, we might not be able to get it. I was like, well, can you try? He's like, sure. So he did, and like two days later, he's like, I got it. So I was like, cool, done. That's it. Easy. Eventful. So I have that car now. Um, So I'm excited that I, I'm excited that I might never have to buy a car again because maybe by the time that I'm done with this car, autonomous and you know ride sharing and Uber, like ever, you know, just who knows what. Done, done, done. So that is my big news. By the time they're done with you, buddy, we're not even going to have cars anymore. (laughs) Riding around fucking spaceships. Well, what about you? I know you did something fun last night, but before you get there, did you do do anything else in the two weeks? Because we recorded Los Bandoleros last week, but we did not do a recap. So the last two weeks since Tokyo Drift, what have you been up to? My friend Dom is visiting from England, so he's been with us for the past Dom Toretto? No, I knew you were going to say that. But I no. got to. Contractually <laughs> obligated. I know, I know. So he came from England, and he's staying with us for a week, and then he's going to California, and he's coming back for another week. So we're finishing up the first week. He leaves tomorrow. We've been dicking around drinking, all that normal stuff. But I have two cool tidbits. One is on Saturday. Not this Saturday, if you're listening, but the Saturday before that. We were driving to Rhode Island because there was this metery superstition that was being released in Rhode Island for finally, and we really liked this metery. I went there, and it's in Arizona. Shout out Brian O'Connor. Barstow. (laughs) We went there when we were in uh, Arizona, and I love this place. They make great meat, probably the best meat ever. I think I fed you some before. The peanut butter and jelly stuff, did you ever try it? Probably. I was also thinking, I was talking about mead recently with somebody because we went to... You and I Great were sale. drinking alone, and we went to some place, and you bought like a pretty expensive mead that like you drank most of. Do you remember that, like the Viking yeah. blood? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Is that this place or is that a different place? No, you can buy Viking blood everywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got some. We like I like meads. I like to try different meads, but superstitions like top tier. Like this is fucking good. Mead's always expensive because honey's expensive. So we went there. We got some mead. Our plan was to do to take him to do one of the most American things ever, which is go to this all-you-can-eat buffet that's super famous that Zach and I have been dying to go to forever. Um, it's called the Nordic Lodge. It's in Rhode Island. It's really famous. There's like videos online of it and stuff like that. And it's super famous because it's expensive, but they have all-you-can-eat lobster, crab legs, filet, oysters, seaf- like all seafood stuffs, right? Very cool. Yep. We went there. I think it's like 100 bucks. We sat down and we're like, well, they're like, have you ever been here before? No. So we sit down and we're like, they're like, okay, just go for it. We're like, okay. So we stand up, we get a lobster. We ate a whole lobster, each of us. We're like, okay, cool. I get up, I get some crab legs. I get up, I get another round of crab legs. And I'm talking like, they're Alaskan king crab legs. They're fucking huge, right? That's like a pretty healthy plate. So I ate like two huge plates of them, probably like six to eight. Alaskan King Crab Legs, the whole things. Mm-hmm. Get up, get another lobster. Um, had like a couple, like, you know, about four oysters in between. Then I get a steak. I got some scallops, got some shrimp. We're eating other stuff, lobster fritters, stuff like that. And it was like one of the most fullest I've ever been in my life. Like I was like sweating from the top of my head. Have you ever been <laughs> that full before? No. Okay. It's, it's painful. I had satisfied my lobster craving. I did not want to eat another lobster for, I, like, I'm still pretty comfortable not eating lobster for a couple of days. Yeah, but it was awesome. It's, like, in the middle of nowhere. Kind of seems like a cult. Dom described it as very uh, get-out vibes. It's like, it's, like, its own compound. Like, you, like, drive, like, way up the street to get there, and everybody's in, like, the same uniform there, and they all just kind of, like, stare at you the whole time. Love it. Yeah, it was, like, super creepy. They have, like, animals there, and there's, like, a sauna, apparently. Like, a volleyball court, and we're like, God, if we get, 
if we start playing volleyball, I think that's how you that's how you start working here. Like you just like get stuck there and you can never leave. Like is what it felt like. All of these people just seem like they like lived in this commune up there. So that was cool. Nordic Lodge, shout out Nordic Lodge. They actually responded to my post about being at the Nordic Lodge, like laughing at my thing because like I posted and everybody was like, what the fuck? Like how much did you eat? What everything. Um, second thing was last night we went to go see. Real Big Fish, which is one of my favorite bands to go see live ever. Very cool. They're awesome. They're a ska band. You probably know them from beer, from, what is it, basketball. But they have a ton of cool songs, and I really like this band. I think they're so much fun to see live. We see them every time they tour. Rachel wasn't a ska fan at all. She hated ska. She hated Real Big Fish. And we eventually took her to a show, and now she's, like, the spearhead of us going. Anytime that they're anywhere near us, she's like, we gotta get fucking tickets now. They're gonna sell out. I'm like, they're not gonna sell out, Rachel. I've been seeing them for you know 15 years now they never sell out they're a ska band and it's now 20 years past their prime and she's like no like we gotta get tickets so she leads the way um and she loves it and we all had a good time so that's what i've been up to those are the two main things i've been up to very cool do you like ska bands do you ever go see a ska band live i've never seen them well so i i had friends growing up this like yeah i feel like your friend group would have been like well so actually i'm not sure about my the friends that i have now but i had friends growing up who were into ska that you know i had people friends who played like trombone in the band. and friends who yeah. play trumpets and stuff like that and they went on to make ska bands so I, I sort of had like a subset of friends who were not like i never saw them live i don't think i saw videos of them online and everything like that it's fun like it's not you know i just haven't been to those shows because i don't know anybody else aside from you i guess that at least people around here i don't know i just no i have not i i, I don't dislike it i just I, I enjoy listening to it i just don't listen to it a lot i know it's very fun upbeat fun you know whatever yeah, kind of music. it's, it's... It's non-offensive, man. It's like, that's the, that's what we were saying. Like, um, Dom had never gone to see Real Big Fish before. You just can't have a bad time doing it. You know what I mean? Because, like, the music yep. is too much fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not going to be sad. Like, you, can, you can't be sad, so. Yeah. Anything else you did in the last two weeks or that, those two? Uh... That sums it up, man. That's cool. that's what I got going for me. I had a lot of fun, though. I'm excited. I might do some surprise. I don't know. I, I'm planning out my next couple days. Very cool. Well, we have a Patreon page here at the show, TooFastToForever.com. If you want to support us in our weird little art project that we're doing and also get some cool exclusive stuff, episodes early, you know, swag, merch, the minute, some cool the minute exclu- document, the minute document, some exclusive stuff up there, too fast to forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Fear, and Ben Milliman for supporting us over there. Yeah, shout thank out you guys. all. Thank you. All, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jake got his uh, stickers, by the Jake way. Jake did get his stickers. We he posted put one it on, on the Facebook. back of his car, which is awesome. Yeah, which is fucking cool. So. Jake's leading the Australia pack over there. He's driving lead. And Ben is leading our uh, Alaska team, our Alaska family. So, okay. So, Joe, we have six emails tonight. That's a lot. Okay. And we just read them a week ago. Yeah, a week ago. We we emptied the mailbag out for Los Angeles. We have six episodes, all right? Or six emails. So, first email, new listener. A new listener? Mm Mm-hmm. No way. I'm excited. Wow. We love new listeners. So Luke McCoy, the real McCoy. I'm sure he's the never heard that before. I'm sure. Subject line, just discovered podcast and rankings. Okay. Hi, Joe Did and Did he Joey. just discover all podcasts or just ours? <laughs> I would assume ours, but I don't know. <laughs> he's like, this is the first podcast I ever found. You know what I have? And I don't want to put, you know, I don't want to embarrass people. I don't know. But uh, we've heard from a couple people in the last week or two, like weirdly all together, that it feels like, and again, this is weird to think about, that we're kind of like people's favorite podcast, which is weird and cool it's and really flattering strange. and humbling. It's yeah. very, very flattering, and it's great compliment. We've now had, yeah, you're right, in like the past two weeks, we've had multiple people say that to us, 
and we're very thankful for it. Like, it's something that I'm not my own favorite podcast, and I don't listen to any other podcasts. So <laughs> if, that, if that makes any sense, that's where I rank me in list of people. That's all you need to know. All right. That's all you need to know. Luke says, hi, Joe and Joey. I discovered your podcast. I also don't know, like, you get top billion emails way more than I do. People, <laughs> people need to realize that I read the emails. I could reading it and it. doing all the work. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, a pie graph, a pie chart of, like, the amount of work, it's, like, 80% or maybe more than 90%. It's like that pie chart of, like, what meatloaf would do for love, and then there's just a little one thing that just says that. Like, yeah. you're the that of our pie chart, but still, I'll top billing so many emails. Yeah. I discovered your podcast a month or so ago when I was looking for a movie series to watch that had corresponding podcast that broke down the series. So wow. that is a very specific, but that's also, a, if that's if that's your bag... Niche. Yeah, we are we are right in that wheelhouse. He says you guys do a good job by the way. Well, thank you. Thanks. Before the podcast I had seen 1, 2 and parts of 8 because my girlfriend at the time wanted to watch it but I fell asleep in the middle. Don't really blame you. Eight's, okay. You yeah. Know, eight's we all know our our thoughts on 8 are pretty well known. Yes. I didn't really give the series a chance because the trailers kind of made the movies look increasingly dumb. He says, I just finished lap one, and my rankings are... So here we go. From, from the bottom up. So did he rank our episodes, or has he, has he since he watched the all the movies, right? Rank the movies. I'm guessing since he's watched he's watched all the movies since. I would guess that he probably watched the first one and then listened to the first podcast. Like, if I were, if I were doing this, and I don't know, I don't think he says that, but, like, if I were in his shoes and I think I've yes. done things like this you know how did this get made to a certain extent I do the same thing where okay. it's like I will watch the movie and then listen to their podcast about it then watch the next movie listen to the next podcast makes sense it. yeah yeah that makes sense so I would yeah. assume one, one, two, two, three, three. okay I like all of them and find them fun and watchable but he says 8 was the weakest so 8 is his last one okay I agree we agree we're with you buddy also I can sort of see why watching all 8 of these in 2019 would lead to this but also this is I don't want to shock you to your core Joe but his number 7 is the original. Damn! Right? Yeah, I, we say it. Nostalgia plays a huge factor in it. Like, yep. I, I still think it does. And I think that, like, a lot of us that, like, love one and it has a special place in our heart, it's because of the nostalgia of it. Yep. Yeah. Number six is Too Fast, Too Furious. Okay. Number five is Fast and Furious, number four, which we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Number four is Tokyo Drift. Okay. Number three is Fast Five. Okay. Number two is Fast and Furious 6. Which means number one, seven. Furious Seven. Damn, he likes Seven the best. Paul Paul Walker got, got him. Paul Walker Paul just Walker drew him, him with his blue eyes in the first in the first movies, and he's just about it. So I we like have it though. Twenty three rankings. Yeah, and he is the only one with number seven as his favorite. It's really not a terrible choice. I, I no. actually I don't mind it. I respect it. The closest thing we have is that Rachel, when she gave us her list, and spoilers, she'll be on this lap to give her maybe updated rankings. We'll see that. Yeah, uh, she said six and seven are tied for number one, so I have one and a half there for each. But Luke, number one, Furious Seven. You know that's he's taking yeah, a bold claim. But yeah, not a, not a wrong choice, not a bad choice. No, definitely not. I mean, there is no wrong choices, but agreement-wise, I, I can see it. You know yep. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I appreciate I appreciate Seven. He says, The Rock and Statham do well for the series, and I'm now really excited for Hobbs and Shaw. Keep up the good work on the podcast, Luke McCoy. Well, thank you, Luke, for listening, for Thanks writing Thanks for in. writing in, brother. I'm glad that you wrote in. I love when new people write in, because I hope that, if anything, I want us to be welcoming. It's all family here. Hashtag family. Hashtag All right. Family. Next email, Joe, is from 
Jenny McMullen. Hi, Jenny. Jenny. Okay. Hi, Jenny. Subject line: Burgers and stuff. So we got burgers here. Let's go. Let's see what. Let's see what happens. Okay. Rub my hands together. Let's do this. Hi, guys. I feel like I've got to give my input on the burger discussion, although I've only been to In and Out maybe three times. If this is the first episode you're listening to, and again, I don't know why it would be, <laughs> other than maybe you just started here. We have a real battle on our hands of the last few episodes of In-N-Out versus Whataburger, two yes. burger chains that exist nowhere near where you and I, you and I live. Like this no, is... we can't go to any of them without a flight. Yes. Okay. Or a very, very long car drive. Yes. I've only been to In-N-Out maybe three times. I did just read up on them, though, and can see the appeal for Joe and others. The whole animal-style thing and the choices of onions, she says, yes. can't stand them myself, and peppers is something other places don't do. Exactly. I'll have to Thank ask you, Jenny. peppers next time now that I know about Chop chilies. Chop chilies always. I love chop chilies. I also like that they offer cheese fries and really thought I got chili cheese fries at one in Yuma. I don't know. I don't think you can do chili cheese fries. I think you, could, you can do animal style fries. Right. But she said she doesn't like onions and it comes with the grilled onions. Mm. So, But you can get cheese fries and I... I love their cheese fries. I'm a big fan. Our nearest one is at least an hour and a half away, so I don't have to choose. Ugh. But anything's better than McDonald's burgers, so she's on your side there. Agreed. And I've never seen a Whataburger, let alone eaten there. Well, I think it, I think it's only in Texas or sort of sort of like that area. Of yeah, the we country. talked about it. It's Oklahoma, like, maybe. Maybe it's it's like more than one state, but it's like very loosely more than one state. It's not like there's like a spread across. A it's whole mostly state. Texas. It's mostly Texas. Yeah. In the pie chart version of this, it's <laughs> the you and the what is other states, and the ninety nine percent what meatloaf would do for love is Texas. Yes, exactly. That's going to be the metaphor of the night, Joe. I just hope you're ready. I'm, I'm ready for it. Keep going. I'm all about crinkle cut or chili cheese fries and crunchy tacos. So Del, so Del Taco is my favorite for the last year since I discovered there's one in the town where I work. That's I don't think cool. I've ever had Del Taco. Have you? My friends in California live by it. I've never had Del Taco because when I'm in California, I'm too busy eating in and out Ugh. Sorry. You walked right into it. Have you had Jack in the Box? I have, and I actually had Jack in the Box in Hawaii. They had, um, okay. like, fuck, what is it, macadamia nut milkshakes were actually were really good. Yeah, I know. It was it was a Hawaii-only special, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah. So when I was working at an office in Austin, and they had found out that I had never gone to Jack in the Box, because they're not in the Northeast. I think it's like they're not. West Coast and South and whatever. In uh, Hawaii. Two guys sit me down. They're like, this is, they're like, you're going to Jack in the Box tonight. You're going to spend $7. All, like, it's like it's a, a ridiculous amount of food. <laughs> yes, it is. It's not good, but it's super cheap. But it is. Yeah. Shout out Jack in the Box for two tacos for a dollar. Like they're not good tacos. It's a taco shell with like a little bit of crumbles of meat. But two tacos for a dollar, bang for your buck. Not good and not a lot of meat. Also, you can't beat that though. Also, I like the the drunk when you get like a bunch of lo- like drunk tapas. Okay, is what okay. I like. So like, oh, I like... just like a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if it's really cheap, you're like, yeah, two tacos and like a fries and a burger and a chicken sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, if if the food's really cheap, you're like, oh yeah, it's cool. I don't have to commit to like one thing. You can just like take 15 bites of everything. So yeah, yeah. you know, my favorite thing. This is not at all the cheap version of that. But when I was living in Austin, my sister and I would try to find because like around here, both where I live and where you live, you can throw us a stone in any direction to find like a great Italian restaurant that, like, is better than, yeah. like, what most states have. Yeah. So when we moved down to Austin, we were trying to find a place that had good sandwiches and pizzas and everything. And so, like, she and I would go to a new Italian place every couple of months and spend, like, $100 and get, like, a pizza. Get, I would get, like, a chicken parm, we'd get a salad. We would get, yeah. A, like, yeah, yep. garlic knots, like, everything. I, I'm with you, yep. And just, like, way too much food. We're like, something's got to be good here. And for the most part... Things are fine because it's awesome. Like, if you're not a good food place, you'll close. Yes. But compared to what we had grown up with and gotten used to, not worth not it. Not good. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's like the high class version, the. It's drunk tapas. Liberal. Yeah. 
East Coast version <laughs> of Drunk Tapas. It absolutely is. I, but yeah, you, you got my drift. My Tokyo drift. Jenny says, I've only listened to the first part of episode 35, but wanted to get this sent in time. I also would be interested in the family viewing event. So awesome. We talked about for lap five, the first movie, we're going to find a date and we're all going to watch it together on a service called Rabbit, yes. um, which is free. I think you need a Netflix account, but you can log in and you sort of watch the movie with us. Yes. We'll figure that out as we get closer. Don't worry about that. She says, I've never been part of anything like that, but if the timing's right, I'll try to figure it out. And I do have Netflix. She oh, says, cool. Chris Malika, who is, as we yes. know, the linchpin of the Westworld universe. <laughs> the, the, the pivot, the, the foundation of Westworld. The Thanos keystone. of Westworld. Keystone. Mm-hmm. The Keystone. Chris Malika was also an entertaining guest, and I enjoy all the parts of the show. And last thing for now, when I think of the first movie, it reminds me of putting the import street racing culture into the limelight. Or, as we're going to learn about in the Fast and Furious Minute... In the limelight. Oh, nice little tie-in. But yes, you're, you're right. Like we've said before, I think that this was what brought imports into the limelight to American culture. So yeah. I agree with mm-hmm. Jenny. If that's the, that's the first thing you think about it, is like what effect this did have on the entire culture of cars and in America, and I think it changed the game. She says it was probably pretty much underground until then, and still is, because it's frowned upon by law enforcement. Keep on racing later, Jenny. Well, thank you, Jenny, for writing in. Thank you. I gotta, you know, we gotta hit Del Taco, we gotta report back. You know, I would love, so here's <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate family dream vacation podcast now. Well, that. We well, go, that. Would, uh, if you don't say we do a road trip from In-N-Out to Whataburger and all of us go and argue about it, no, it's I'm not. Be really well, sad. That's part of it, though, but like, okay, eventually, when this becomes a popular enough podcast that we can do live shows, what we're going to have to do is go to each city and like find like the local fast food chains and just do those and then argue about those on stage. I'm down. I'm so down. That's like right? one of... I do that now. <laughs> I don't even get paid to do that. I, I do know. That just, you know... It's yeah. going to be one day, one day, one day. I also do wonder if, like, if what... Like, these movies are incredibly popular, but if the topic that we're doing is too niche to ever have, like, widespread acceptance. Like, it needs to get... The like, word needs to get out that these podcasts are not really about the movies. Like, they're about the movies, but they're not about the movies. Yeah, exactly. It'll get there. I think people will, like, figure it out eventually. Yeah. Because, you know, like, when you see, like, 200 of them, people are going to be like, are they really fucking still talking about these movies? <laughs> and then they're going to start with one like that, and it's going to be, like, burger time at the beginning of the episode. Yep. They're going to be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Or, as we'll hear, as we were talking to Cassie on Facebook about, she's now going back and trying to find our SodaStream conversation. So, you know, they're like, yeah. just a, 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 an in-depth dive, deep dive into some nonsense Sh- that shipping, has nothing. Shipping, shipping, shipping. <laughs> like containers of soda streams. Unbelievable. Yeah. Next email from Mr. And Mrs. West, West Hampton. Subject line, Los Bandoleros. What up, fam? What up, brother? I'm glad he wrote him because, um, you know, he had been telling us to watch it. So I want to hear his take on our take. I'm glad you liked Los Bandoleros. I didn't want to say too Loved much it. about it before you watched it, but I've seen it a few times now, and I think it's definitely worth watching at least once. I agree. It's really just a taste of the more artistic and introspective side of what the Fastiverse can be, and I really like that aspect, even when it's silly. I think they really leaned into that with Fast and Furious, and then slowly upped the action as the films went on, which is at least partly why 4, he says in parentheses, more drama, less action, is kind of forgotten, and 5, a good mix of both, is the general favorite, with 6, more action-heavy, clearly setting the course for the future. 7 had a lot of heart, but I think that's 100% due to Paul Walker's death. If he hadn't died, 7 might have ended up being kind of forgettable, which is... Probably an true. interesting take, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, It would still be a lot of fun and crazy impressive, but there's not a lot of story there to hold on to. Anyway, here are my new episode observations. Okay. 
I can't remember where I read or heard this, but I think Los Bandoleros was part of the deal with Vin Diesel taking an active part of, as producer on the series and soft rebooting things, which I think is something that I said, you said that I yeah. guessed, that I might have heard either from Wes or just sort of from something that I read online. So I think that's yeah. probably true. Wes says, I think it was partly for the studio to give him something creative to do, and partly for him to show the studio what his vision for the franchise was beyond just a series of racing films. I could be making that up, but it sounds right, so who's to say? Well, I think it sounds right, too. Like, I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think so, too. We've definitely talked about it before, and I don't know if Wes was the one who told us, and then we said it, and then he told us again. (laughs) It sounds right to me, so I'm just going with it. I always assume that Mirtha slash Kara was just another member of the crew. She does help Han out during the heist, and later at the party, Dom gives her a cut of the money. I believe that guy that goes to pick Han up with her is named Malo, M-A-L-O. And since he's not on the actual heist, maybe he's more of the logistics side of things. Maybe. So that was the girl, if anybody doesn't remember, didn't see. She's in. She's with Han in the beginning of this movie. She's in his car. Yes, and, like, and she's that? eating. She's snacking, too, with yeah. him. She's kind of his dream girl until he meets Giselle, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. I like this short a lot, but one thing that bothers me about this and The Fast and Furious now is Dom and Letty's relationship. Dom is supposed to be the epitome of loyalty and honor, but his relationship with Letty is a weird contradiction to me. In the first movie, they obviously didn't know where the whole thing was going, Yeah, they were both supposed to be pretty young, so he's just his alpha male with a wandering eye or whatever, and she's super aggressive toward him. So they kind of fit, but it still strikes me as a pretty dysfunctional relationship, which, that makes sense. It's kind of like they're meant to be together. I have a different take. Just follow me here, and we're going to do a 2019 very woke take on this. What if Dom is super loyal but he and Letty have an open relationship. Like, they have some kind of, like, behind-the-scenes agreement, and she's like, what I don't see doesn't hurt me. But, like, because when she's there, he's loyal to her. As soon as she walks up, he takes his arms away and goes, okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. so I'm I'm just imagining they have a very woke relationship. Also, Letty looks like she would be into threesomes. Just saying. <laughs> Wes says, I feel like most people knew a couple like that when they were younger, and it rarely ends well. Now, in this oh, short, yeah. maybe he never expected to see her again, which I feel like that's kind of the vibe that we're getting that both in the short and in this movie, in 4, it feels like he moved to the Dominican Republic like, I don't want to risk Mia and Letty and whoever, I'm gone. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I I'm did too this dangerous bad thing, for that. I'm done. Yep. It's definitely risky, but he knows people. He can let her know where he is, and she's obviously willing to put her life on the line for him, as we see in this movie. But I think, yeah, I think that the, the riskiness of that is key, though. It's very risky if he tries to talk to her, right? Because as soon as he's contacting her, the cops are probably watching her, watching him, yeah. And I know they're both too fucking cool to be emotional, but the reunion of the supposed great love after thinking he'd lost her forever was kind of emotionless. It was almost like he knew she would track him down eventually, and he was just trying to have as, as much fun as possible before she caught him. I guess good on Vin for carrying their character traits through from the first movie, but I feel like he might have just had an idea that this relationship was going to be pushed as a central love story for at least the next couple movies. I don't know, maybe it's just me, it just feels a little bit like watching this short and then seeing how tortured Dom has to leave Light at the beginning of Fast and Furious is a little unearned. Yes. I just want to go back to Wes saying he's trying to have as much fun as he can before she catches back up to him. Yeah. And that's like pretty much the story of mine and Rachel's relationship right there. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to have as much fun as possible until she comes and just reins it back in. Like, every time. <laughs> I'm going to make a counterpoint here. If it feels unearned that he's so distraught at the beginning of 4 when he's got to get you know give her up again, yes, I feel like you can think about it like they have this great love, whether it's an open relationship, whether it's whatever, still feels like in the scope of these movies, like it's the one true love, it's, what, it's, what, it's what's meant to it be is. or whatever. He knows it, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, he puts her in this rear view, literally and figuratively, and says, 
I'm leaving so that she can be safe. Like, he does this sort of maybe I'm doing selfish... this better. It's the most selfless... No, I think it's actually it, it, the well, most it's selfless. selfish or selfless, because it's, it's not fair to her, but it's also like he's doing it for her. So, like, there's either thing. So, just go with me for a second here. So, yeah. he leaves, goes to the Dominican Republic, where he's got family, he knows people, whatever. So, it's not like he's starting from scratch, but he's got this new... He's, he's not with his the love of his life, right? Yep. And so, it's tough for him, but he's like, this is best for her. Then she shows up and kind of, like, fucks things up a bit. You know what I mean? And he's just like, well, now... And I think that's maybe why it's so tough for him. Because, like, he thought... Like, maybe he was emotionally... And we don't see a lot of this because it's so compact of a time frame. But maybe he had, like, emotionally been like, you know, it hurts me to give up Letty. But I'm, like, she's gone. She's in my... Like, I'm doing this for her. And then Letty shows up. And he's like, well, I... Maybe it brings up emotions in him. And he's like... I don't want you to have to get... Like, I just got her back. I never thought I would see her again. And maybe that's why it's so emotional. You know what I mean? It's like, it I can might seem you. unearned, yeah. but I think that also feels earned if you think about it like that. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. That would make perfect sense. That he's just like, I can't go through this again. I might as well just stop it here type thing. Uh, Wes says, here's another little timeline quandary. It's never expressly said when Los Bandoleros is set, but in Fast and Furious, Mia tells Brian it's been five years since the events of the first film. Because of Letty's Tombstone, we know FNF takes place in 2009, so the first one takes place in 2004, so some, sometime between 2004 and 2009. What I've okay. never been sure of is what the time jump is between the end of Los Bandoleros and Fast and Furious. I think a casual viewer would probably assume the gas heist at the beginning of 4 is the same one they're talking about in Los Bandoleros. Yeah. But some of the dialogue during the heist leads me to think that they might have just done this a few times at least, like when they're giving Santos a hard time about missing the truck hitch. Anyway, it doesn't really matter, so it's just something I've wondered about. I think you're sort of led to believe it's the same heist, but I also think based on the dialogue in Los Bandoleros, that the, the gas that they're going to steal there is on boats. That's right. Yeah, because he said, like, the the tanker is coming. Well, but maybe it's, like, the boat comes in and you're going to steal from the trucks when they unload it. That would make kind of sense, right? Yeah. I think that that might be it. It's set up so that you could... It's shot and edited and put together in a way that you could believe either, and I don't think that you're really wrong. But I think that Wes makes a good point, and if you were, like, looking into it, I, I agree with him that I think they've done this a couple times. So. Yep. He says, the more I watch these movies with a critical eye, the more I think about them like some fans think about superhero comics. The timelines and stories are so mixed up and contradictory, you have to kind of look at it like these are legends and not histories. The details True. shift and change from telling to telling, but the main points remain. Also, yeah. this isn't something I really stress over. It's just a fun thought experiment to do a deep critical dive into these things. Which, hey, again, man, is the whole that's point what of this we're doing. Yep. Yeah, that's the, whole, that's the whole point of what we're doing here. So we love when you send us new takes and ideas like this. He says, lastly, the thing that I immediately pops into my head for this movie is another very quick single shot from the movie. This time it's the shot from the very end of the movie where they're about to bust Donna the prison bus. When I think about four, I always think about the shot of Mia through the windshield of her Acura NSX with one hand on the wheel and a little smirk, which I can think exactly I can that see it. Is. You know I'm a big Jordana Brewster fan, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. she looks very good. And she, I'm, I'm just really happy that she's going to be back in 9. She is, you know, Fast Same. 9. We're going to get to that in a little bit in the next segment, but cool. Fast Nine shooting now. She's involved, so very exciting. Yes. Wes says, I think I've always secretly identified with Mia as the most level-headed of the crew. She is the most she is the most level headed, yeah. I'm Mia, so that's you know, that makes sense. Yeah. And I like this shot because it's the first time you see that she's a secret badass like her brother, but she doesn't need to show it off as much. Well I think you see that in the <laughs> first movie, right? When she after they leave dinner and she drives around like a badass. Like I think you see it then too, I think. That's more playful. It's not the same like I'm gonna break him out of jail. She's not like breaking the law really, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like she's mm-hmm. like she's trying to impress Brian more so than she's a badass. 
Okay. Like, she she is a badass, and the driving's really cool and stuff like that, but she's, like, it's in the context of impressing someone, and I think that that, that kind of belittles it. All right, yeah, that's fair. I, I, I see that. You know what I mean? Like, if I was like, oh, Joey's really cool because you were, like, making jokes in front of this girl, it doesn't mean you're really cool, like... Right. Wes says, you can see her drive in the first... Oh, this is exactly what I just said. You see her drive in the first movie, but that was just her goofing around. This is her getting her hands dirty <sighs> and making shit happen. Well, that's it for this week. Until next time, stay furious, Wes. I just should have read one more sentence... And he would have, we, would, we, didn't, we didn't have to have that conversation, but there we go. There, here we are. Thank you, Wes, for writing in. Yes, thank you, Wes, for writing in. Next email from, oh, and also Wes sent in a car picture. So we got three, I think we got three car pictures tonight. God so damn. We'll, so we'll have to do, we'll do one and then we'll sort of save them for other ones. So if you want to. Oh, so we can have like a backup picks, one? Okay, cool. We have backup ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next email is from Ben Milliman. Shout out Ben Milliman from Patreon. Again, Ben up, suggested ben? a pit stop for us to do later this lap, early next lap. So we're going to get to that. And we're going to. Yep. We already, we're planning it out. We already got it, like, scheduled up, kind of, so. Ben says, hey, guys, I realize I never sent in my rankings of the movies. It's taken me a while, but here it is. It takes us a long time, dude. I get it. It, it, was, it was emotionally stressful for me. Ben says, number eight is number eight. Number seven is this movie, Fast and Furious number four. Number six is Too Fast, Too Furious. Okay. Number five, Furious 7. So yeah. he and Luke would not get along, possibly. <laughs> Although we're all family here. We all love these movies. And again, a bad one of these, or one that you like less... Still better than most movies. Yep, I agree. Number four, Tokyo Drift. Number okay. three, the original. Which, yeah. If you're doing the math in your head, the top two are, I think, probably the most common top two. Number two, World's Longest Runway, Fast and Furious 6. And then number one, Fast Five. Fast Five, Italian job too. Ben says, I didn't realize how hard this would be. It's really, it's, It was really easy putting five, six, four, and eight into the ranking, which again, yes. was his top two and his bottom two. Yep. But I had a hard time placing one, three, seven, and two. It's- it's very hard. They're all neck and neck for me. Like, I love all of them for their own things. And, like, obviously you have a favorite and you have a least favorite. And then when you start to try to start that middle part, it was like, it's fucking hard. Yeah. He says, I switched them so many times I had to just stop or I would never have sent this. <laughs> he says, another thing I forgot to talk about with Tokyo Drift is the, the Tabasco sauce. I know a lot of people think it's weird that he has one, but both my brother and I carry them in my, our cars. And a friend of the family, Susan, always has Texas Pete in her purse. I also feel like that one Beyonce song was a formation. I got, yeah, I got hot sauce, hot sauce in my, in my bag. bag. Swag. Yeah, so I that's feel like Rachel that's, too. Beyonce normalized that for everybody. You so. know what I like to do is, um, I like oysters, Rachel doesn't, but every time I get oysters, and if you get them at like a really nice, classy place, they usually give you that mini, mini, tiny mm-hmm. bottle of Tabasco, yep. and I always collect as many of them as I can and give them to Rachel because she likes them in her purse, because when <laughs> she like goes to the restaurant, she like just pulls out just like the little one, just like drop, 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 and she's good. I also like that you go to a, a, a brewery that will be left nameless that you order a specific dish that comes with a hot sauce and you just take the hot sauce. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I've, I've stolen it when I've asked and they've given it to me. I've had them tell me no. And then I've just randomly stolen it and didn't ask one time. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, it's a really good hot sauce. But yeah, shout out that brewery that I'm not going to say. Yep. If you're a little sleepy. <laughs> you know, at the, at the end of your arms... Um, yeah. All right. My girlfriend, Linny, had me play the last episode because I told her she was mentioned and she laughed. Well, shout out, Linny, if you listen again. Hi, Linny, I still love your name. It's a great name. Yeah, we, I, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Ben says she asked me what your email was and she said she might send one. Well, I don't think she sent one yet, but Linny, if you're listening to this, please send one. I don't like just I, explain to us. I want to know your relationship to these movies. I want to know what you think of Ben's, I don't want to say it in a bad way, obsession with the movies. Love, I also want to know love. what you think when he quotes one of these movies and you have no idea, or the podcast, and you have no idea what he's talking about. Like, I want to hear <laughs> your side of things. You know, there's two sides to every story. 
I want to hear this. Yeah, let's work it out. Ben says, now about Fast and Furious. When it first came out, I was very skeptical about seeing it because I was afraid they were going to ruin the movies. A co-worker of mine knew how much I liked the series to this point, and he had already seen the movie. So to be a dick, okay. he told me that the girl died. Oh, what an really asshole. Shitty. Really? Yeah. Shitty. Well, spoiler alert, fuck that kid because Letty's not dead. He says he wouldn't tell me which girl, just that they died. I didn't believe him, but he just smiled and laughed, so of course I had to see it. Well, I guess in that regard, if that was the catalyst to make you see the movie... Here you are. Yeah. He's a dick, but also, thank you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Ben says, I liked it more when it came out than I do now. The more I watch this one, the more I feel like it should be split up and just be cutscenes in a Fast and Furious video game. That might seem like I don't like watching it, but I still like it better than most movies, which again, is exactly what we said. That's, you know, that's what it is. Yeah. Ben says, thank you for the letter and stickers. I was surprised how fast they got here. Most of the time, it takes a couple of weeks to get anything. Wow. So you got his stickers too. Cool. I hope he likes them. Oh, also, I don't want to, I don't want to peer pressure anybody into supporting us on Patreon to fastfoodforever.com, but I handwrite a letter to everyone, and it's a different letter for everyone. Ain't no copy-paste bullshit here. It's handwritten, personalized, customized, from the heart. I run it by Joe before I, I write it. Yeah, I like, it. To, I like to add little tidbits in there, but Joey has the stickers. I still don't even have my stickers. Nope. So he's writing the letters because they're coming from him. Ben says, so one more thing. I work for a plumbing and heating company up here. And while driving around okay. a trailer park looking for the trailer my job was at, I found this van. I thought it was hilarious, so I took a couple pictures for you. I hope you enjoy them. Also, I found this Fast and Furious picture on Reddit. I thought you'd get a laugh out of it, LOL. So actually, this is not a car that we're guessing, so I'm going to put these pictures in Discord right now. Okay, so let on. me check them out. Let me check them out. What is the... Oh, it's a van. So Ben, ben sent a picture of a van with like a spoiler on it, kind of like the one that like... It's awesome. Brian would have in this movie. Like, I mean, sorry, Brian would have in like the first one. It's like a really thin spoiler, but it's like an old like Plymouth, whatever, or like Ford van, like a mom mm-hmm. van. Yeah. Okay. And then the second picture is from Reddit and it says, it's a meme kind of that says fast and the... F- furious and it's a picture of a furry driving a car it looks like brian like it's supposed to be brian right with it yeah it's supposed to be but furries have a special place in my heart not because (laughs) i am one but because the furry convention is always held in pittsburgh i thought you said i thought you said because i am one i was like wait how how no i said because not i said not because i I, am one i didn't hear one word in that sentence that was the most important word And you, you no were shade, just like, no how shade, do I, no shade. You, I, just, I know, was, you were just like, how did I not know this? Exactly. It was more like, a, I don't know how I haven't heard this yet. Because they have, the, so they have the furry convention in Pittsburgh every year. Every year, there will be like a weekend in Pittsburgh where like all the bars downtown will be filled with like drunk squirrels and shit. And obviously we all go downtown to like watch the furries exist Mm-hmm. In bars, like normal people. Well, they are normal people. They're just, uh, they're family too. They're normal people. I'm saying that it's, you don't normally see people in mascot costumes out at bars in True. large groups. Okay. So I'm saying like they're with the normal, in quotation marks, people. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And it's actually super friendly. They love Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh is like very welcoming to them. Like like nobody like ever gets like hurt. You know, it's not like a gang or something like nobody like goes to like, oh, we're going to go beat up the furries or something. Right. It's like usually pretty tame and like everybody just like wants to interact with them. And so, yeah, it's a good time. Yeah. Highly recommended. Even if you're a furry or not a furry, go to Pittsburgh during furry con. You will see some shit. (laughs) That's what I can promise you. Truly, truly. Next email from the previously mentioned Cassie Wilson, FNF Ecuador, sup fan. She says, first off, love last episode of Los Bandoleros. I'm so glad y'all liked it. Funny story, when I was trying to consume as much Fast and Furious as possible, with exactly no DVDs last year, what I read of Los Bandoleros and the shit versions on YouTube and Dailymotion forced me to buy an 8-disc set. I love that like wow. this 20-minute or 17-minute short 
made you spend, you know, money on an eight DVD box set. Like, I love that. But you should have had it anyways, Cassie. Come on. I was desperate for Furious 7 and Los Bandoleros, and neither were on HBO Go or anywhere. I'm glad y'all could see that it's great to contextualize Dom and Letty with the story. It there is. were some head y things online with the timeline of LB, Los Bandoleros, Fast okay. and Furious, and Furious 7 that I can send you all if you want to have your mind blown with a, quote, fan theory. I would like it. Absolutely. Send it. Send it. I want to read it. And if it's short enough, we'll read it on air and talk about it on air. I actually really liked how you all appreciated the other parts that explained more on what they were doing in the Dominican Republic in Fast and Furious 4. Yes. Hot take. I appreciate y'all's theories and assumptions because I appreciate any thinking about these movies I love. But I gotta disagree with y'all. So let's see. Let's see what 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 Cassie says. I want to know what Cassie's sister says about this. Cassie's sister putting her on blast pretty publicly about how much she uh, enjoys our podcast. We loved it. It was a great compliment. Again, uh, we're just we were just getting slammed by compliments the past couple of weeks, and it always surprises me, and I'm always thankful for it. It won't surprise you that I don't agree that Dom and Letty are in an open-ish relationship. Well, sorry, Cassie, for again bringing that up again here. Uh, so just ignore, I guess, what we had said earlier. <laughs> so so I, I like a, this theory. I like the the open relationship theory because it's like either Dom's a scumbag or <laughs> they're in like this like quasi-known open relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like those are the two options here. It's like Dom's a whore or like. Like this is what's happening. Yeah, I don't agree that Dom and Letty are in an open-ish relationship. Like they do what they like, like they do what they want when they aren't together. We never see Dom doing anything with other girls other than flirting or sitting with his yes. arm around them. True. I take that. I don't want to taste their saliva as Letty fucking with him. Also, she clearly always has him jumping for her when he call or when she calls, which That's absolutely what we said. agreed. Also, as far as the timeline between one and four. It's widely accepted that Dom and Letty have been racing through Mexico and onto the Dominican Republic, sort of running from the cops. And Letty, since she isn't wanted, goes back and checks on Mia and finds Dom at the next place. So in that regard, Ah. that sort of, you know, clarifies or sort of explains, I guess, what we were talking about a little bit ago. Okay. She says, so in regards to my subject line, FNF Ecuador, I have a funny story. I have Fast and Furious 1 downloaded in my Netflix, and last week I was in Ecuador and went to watch it, and it was expired. When I searched for it in Netflix, the poster was a Spanish one, which I thought was cool and wanted to share. Also, FYI, in Ecuador, 1 of 6 are on Netflix, but in the U.S., only 1 of 3. And that's what's the rolling her eyes emoji. uh, emoji. So, here is a very cool poster. Oh, so she she has an alternate poster from the Netflix one. Let me see. It says, Rapido Furioso. And it's just Brian in front of his skyline. (laughs) It's a shitty poster, but, like, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's... It it definitely seems like they found, like, just some random kid with Photoshop, and they were like, can you make us a poster in Spanish for this? And he's like, see. (laughs) And, like, makes Mm -hmm. this. Can't wait for the Fast and Furious 4 episode. P.S. Love the ridiculous banter with my sister on the Facebook page, which we just talked about. P.P.S. I haven't found the soda stream thing yet, but I'm looking. She says, I got sidetracked with your high school musicals 1, 2, and 3 Zack Attack episodes. Well, (laughs) those were good ones, too. Kathy, make sure you also listen to Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure and Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure 2, the continuation of the Sharpay Evans saga (laughs) over there on Zack Attack. It just gets better. I promise it just gets better. And then when you feel like when you feel that out, then you'll understand what you or my lifespan is more, yeah. I think. Yeah. And that was it. So thank you, Cassie, for writing in one more email from Nick Burris. Hey, hey guys. Nick. Just want to say I'm glad I found this podcast or I might never have found the two mini movies. Turbocharged Prelude and those. Oh, nice. Says I enjoy them both because it has or clears up the loopholes. 
It does, yeah. Another note, I was having trouble finding your YouTube account the last two weeks or so, which I think I think he messaged us and he was one of the two, or maybe this is a third person. You know, we it was it, we, we've we been having some issues it. over there, whatever. He says, anyway, after listening to the Los Bandoleros episode, he checked it out and it was the first thing that came up. So I don't Whoa. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works. We don't. I don't get the fucking algorithm. I really don't. I'm sorry. Also, we were talking about earlier that uh, and we'll get to we'll get to iTunes reviews in a second, but if you search Fast and the Furious on iTunes, we're like the tenth podcast. But if you just search Fast and Furious for third. The other results are wildly different. So I don't understand how this is different. I don't I don't know what's happening. Nothing makes sense. I don't know, man. Also, you were talking about catchphrases and using them in our real on our lives and I was thinking I don't. I was putting a screen up on my new deck and had my wife helping and she was holding the screen. I made a joke about putting the stapler on her finger. Of course, she said the screen, not my finger. So I said without even thinking if I wanted to shoot you, I would have. He says, too fast, too furious again. <laughs> Anyways, keep up the good work, Nick. So thank you, Nick, for writing in. That was cool. I'm, I'm glad, glad we're you know... all like penetrating everyone's lives, by the yeah. way. Like I'm yeah. glad that it's just like, go. yeah, it works. It makes me happy. It's cool that you guys not really think about us, but like somehow we're all rela- We're all in one universe together, man. Yeah. That's it. That's what I'm trying to say here. If you want to email us, I don't think we've said it yet, family at cageclub.me, write in, let us know your rankings if you've not shared those yet. Burger thoughts, first thing you think of with each movie. How bad your significant other hates you quoting the movies to exactly. them. Exactly. Family at cageclub.me. All right, Joe, I'm going to go to iTunes. And so here's the big news in terms of iTunes reviews. Wells, our buddy Wells, wrote a new review for us. He's back. He's back. I'm glad. I hope he didn't tell us what happened to his iTunes nope. account. Did he get banned? It's, a, it's under the same name, though, right? Yep, I fucks yo big. Okay. Too fast, too forever for life. He says this podcast is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. Which I love this fucking reference because I love Step Brothers so much. It's a movie that I can watch on loop over and over and over again and laugh every time. So thank you. Thank you for that. He says I listen to it and I feel like, wait, is this actually Fergie and Jesus? But then I'm like, no, they're better than Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> they're Joey and Joe too. Well, there we go. Top building there. Whew. And they're talking about the greatest movie series under the sun. Give it a listen. You'll dig it. Well, thank you, Wells, for writing that review. If you want to write a review on iTunes or wherever, write a review. We'll read it on air. If you're not leaving it in the American iTunes store, uh, send a screenshot or let us know where it is, and we'll read it there. Thank you for writing another review, Wells. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's equally as good as the last one. Oh, yeah. So thank oh, you. yeah. He's written uh, three reviews for us on iTunes. The One replaced the other, and then it got deleted, and now we got this one, so... Yeah. All special. Joe, on <laughs> the streets. Yes. We have, so Fast 9 started shooting. Started shooting. We posted the video on, on our Facebook page. Um, a lot of people seem to like it, so. The important thing as you're listening to this is that Hobbs and Shaw tickets are on sale now. So, Joe, as we're recording this tomorrow, you and I have to buy tickets and sort of get seats together. We have to get our, the rest yep. of our family together to buy tickets yep. for the for the movie. And if you're interested in seeing that, we have on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash too fast, too forever. If you're in the New York area and want to watch it with us, you can find out what theater we're seeing it at. We'll let you know where we're sitting. Very creepy, very specific. We're all family. We're regular here. guys, man. We're regular guys. Come watch a movie with us. It'll be fun times. So There's been a lot of promotional photos about Hobbs and Shaw. They were in Entertainment Weekly this week, so The Rock and Jason Statham, and I'm assuming Idris Elba were all posting production stuff and, you know, glamour shots on Instagram and stuff like that. We're going to start getting um, promo tours, too. They're going to be on, like, all the shows soon, huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. Anything else in the news that you've seen about these movies? No, because anything that I've seen in the news, we've posted, so and you covered it. No, I haven't seen anything rowdy lately. Rock the vote. So I'm going to go to Google, and I'm going to see The Rock President and see if there's anything. we got, we got the Democratic uh, debates happening right now. The Rock's yes. not involved, as far as I know. Damn. 
I wish you would can you imagine him debating up there? That would be pretty badass. I lo- I would I would love it. Nothing for the Rock president. I'm going to search Dwayne Johnson president. Yeah. Got nothing. Nothing no new news about him running for president. So I guess he's not doing it. Damn. So now Joe, new lap observations. Oh. Let's do okay. a quick one right here because we got the time has come basically to, to welcome Christian Larson to the show. New lap observations. I'm going to say right here as a broad one. This movie plays so much better now for me. I already liked it. Same. Having seen Los Bandoleros, that, like, it just works better. Like, the whole, like, first, like, 45 minutes of this is, like, even better than it was, because I feel like we learned so much in that short time frame in LB. I 1,000% agree with you, and that was going to be my first point when we started talking about the movie. I agree with you. It's perfect, and it makes way more sense now. That's actually my first note in my notes, is this intro, like, this first part makes so much more sense now. For me... Something that I noticed in this movie is just because we've been talking about it, we get another shot of two girls kissing in this movie. That was the note that I was making earlier in this when I, when I paused, and I, think I probably edited it out. But it's three movies in a row now. It's not in one of them. I don't think it's in two, maybe, but it's in one, three, and four. Where it just it's it's a, a history. Yeah, it's it's like it's very interesting that like they've now just gone with the the girl kissing motif. Oh, no, no. Actually, I have a better one. I have a better one. Sorry, sorry. Let me okay. give you another one. I was watching it till the end because I forgot if there was a post, like a credit scene in this one. I saw a note come across the screen that says, The American Humane Society oversaw all the handling of animals in this film. And I was like, where were there any animals in this film? Don't know. The iguana. Oh, shit. Yes, I was trying to figure out where there was animals in this film. And the only one I can imagine is the iguana. And the American Humane Society said, they took care of that iguana for us. So apparently it was good. The iguana is well kept. Yeah. All right, Joe. The more important thing, when there's a lot of it here, Chain Gang, our necklace watch. The necklace is, it's missing for the middle of the movie, I think. But it is in the beginning and it's in the end. Do you remember the first time we see the necklace in this movie? First time we see the necklace is when Dom puts it on the money that he leaves with Letty. Correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the first shot. And it's a great shot. I actually think that should be our like title card for this episode if we could use it. He leaves the stacks of cash and the necklace on the end. And Letty's asleep. It's perfect. Yep. It's beautiful. Yep. Then we go to... Letty, you know, he's down in the Dominican. He gets the call from Mia that Letty died. He goes yep. back, finds the car, his dad's charger that Letty's been working on, necklace hanging from the rear view. Yes, exactly. That's where he gets it back, right? Yep. He doesn't wear it in no. this movie. Nope. Does not wear it. Then we see it when they're going to do the heist in him mm-hmm. and Brian. He has it hanging from his rear view. In Letty's car, right? Which heist? Like, when they're going back to Mexico, like, they're going to do, like, the final, like, showdown. So, yeah, so before they actually do that is that when they're on that mountaintop and Giselle comes up to be like, you saved my life. That's what I'm saying. Yes, here's here's your ticket to Braga. But he's holding it. Yeah, like, he's, like, thinking about it. No, no, but it was on his rear view as he's going there, too. Yeah, and he's holding, he's, like, thinking about Letty, like, that's, you know, his... Yeah. His manifestation of her. And then the coolest thing, and this is another new lap observation, which I never really talked about. We'll talk about more, I guess, with Larson, is that when at the very end of the movie, there's one more shot when Brian and Mia and whoever else is with him to bust Dom out of that prison bus. Yeah. Not only is uh, Brian driving the Charger, which I think is awesome. Like He's like, hey, I'm driving Dom's car. He's got the necklace in the rear view. Like, I know that he's going to want this. Yeah, I have it with me. And I think that's really, really cool. It is really cool. So Brian has it in quotation marks for a very short period of time. I guess probably when Dom, either when Dom goes to jail or when he gets arrested or whatever, like either before or after the trial, he gives it to me and, and Brian and then they bring it with them to get it back to him. So I think that's all the necklace instances, events 
occurrences, however you want to say it, all the watch of the necklace in this movie. Yeah, I expected more of it, but I mean... But yeah. I feel like this is sort of a transition, right? Like, this is like... They're the bringing it back. Something. They're, yes. We're bringing it back. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, we were talking about how we sort of expected more of it in the first few movies. It didn't happen, but we know it becomes a thing of significance, and it is here too, but this is sort of the pivot point to where the necklace watch, the chain gang, really truly kicks off. Yeah. All right, one more thing to do before we bring in Larson. It is the Fast and the Furious Minute, as we have called it, The Crew Rolls Up. Dom, get up from his desk, sort of, he looks like, we, we see him like Marcellus Wallace style. That's a good description. I saw you put that in the notes, yeah. and I was like, yeah, like, that's a really good way to do it when, like, yeah. From Pulp Fiction, you. you know, back of the neck, yep. we don't know, it's like this intimidating fi- figure. He gets up, grabs a can of something to drink, sort of glares at Brian, goes, sits back down. Mia makes what feels like the fastest tuna sandwich in the world, <laughs> gives it to him, flips through the magazine, we'll talk about the magazine in a little bit, as Brian's eating it. Four tuners roll up. There's a red one, a yellow one, a blue one, and a white one. Pull up and park. Letty gets out and stretches. Minute ends. And I was saying to you, I think, I, I know it's not as good necessarily as the last couple, but I feel like this is once again a pretty well self-contained minute. I think that if you shifted this one ahead like 30 seconds, like if we weren't doing it by minute that the movie comes out, that we could clip a really great minute from this. Because I think that like, you know, you would see like Vince and Leon and and Jesse get out of their cars too. And you'd see like Brian look at them and you know what I mean? Like you could clip a really good minute using part of this minute, but I don't think that this is the most perfect minute just because of how it plays, you know? Well, I think what's nice is that we get a little bit of the confrontation. Like we see Dom for the first time, really last last minute, right? We see Brian and Mia get together sort of. And then in this minute, we see that Dom, whether he's just because he's the manager, like we don't know brother and sister yet. Like we don't know their relationship. But there's some kind of tension there, and then we see this, like, tough-looking chick we don't know yet get out of the car, and it feels like there's just a lot of things that are bubbling up, and it's kind of like the calm before the storm, in a way, both inside and out. That's fair. That's that's a good point. Yeah, because we do get, like, Dom, and if we, if we didn't start the minute here, we wouldn't get the, like, Dom turn to Brian and confrontation. Yep. You're right. Okay. Yeah, I can Which see also... It. I want to say, I put this on Twitter, we're only six minutes into this thing that it's going to take, you know, if there's 100 minutes or 150 minutes in the later movies that we're going to have, you know, a thousand episodes, whatever, like some crazy amount, right? Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be a detail I love more than realizing that Dom on the wall of his office has an (laughs) oversized fork and spoon. It is so goof, like it's so, it doesn't make sense at all in this office. And I love it. Like, it just, it's not him, and it's so perfect. Yeah, it's great. The oversigned spoon thing means something to me. This is the first time I noticed it. 
But um, we have a friend we had met going to music festivals and stuff like that, and he is known because he carries around a giant silver spoon. Really? And so yeah, so it reminds me of Rob a lot. Rob is like really famous. He makes like all kinds of like festival after videos. You know what I mean? Like when they put together the like this is what happened type yep, things. Yep, yep. He always makes these because he's he's like a walking clown. Okay, Rob like Cohen? He... <laughs> no. Rob Lane, R A W B is what he was. Rob. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he um goes. We call we just say he's a walking clown because he always carries like a briefcase and it has like everything. He'll have like hand clappers. Like he, he pretty much carries like he carries like all this shit you would get in like a quarter machine type thing. Like he always has like these weird toys and stuff like that. But his his most famous thing that he carries with him through every festival is this giant silver spoon huh. that has like a bunch of stickers on it. He you could you can drink a beer out of it. You could do whatever you want out of it, but he carries this giant spoon and like he just like he like tap it on a bell or something. Like he has like all kinds of you know accoutrements to the spoon, but he carries the spoon and like holds it up and you're like, oh, there's Rob. Like as soon as you see the spoon, you're like, it's obviously Rob. So it's it's like a nice like way to point them out in the crowd and stuff. But yeah, that's what I, that's the first thing I thought of. Did notice it and I was like, oh, this is really cool and I can't believe Dom has one. And then I thought of Rob, who I really enjoy and it was it made me feel good. He makes people feel warm inside, so it was a nice memory. <laughs> a couple of things real quick before we get into the nitty gritty, the details that you log. There's only one line of dialogue in this entire minute. Mm-hmm. Brian just says, after he gets a sandwich, thank you. So he's a polite boy. The music we have from the last minute transitions over Deep Enough by Live or by Live, however you pronounce it. Yeah. And then when the tuners roll up, we get another BT track. The team arrives, in parentheses, Get Busy, which maybe that's the name of this minute. I don't know. Like, it should be The, the team, team Arrives, Get Busy. Yeah. I think we, I think the yeah, BT minute. Better. Yeah, that's better. I agree, too. The team Arrives. Before we get into the details again, the clothing watch. So we have Dom. We don't know what Dom's wearing on his bottoms. Maybe he's Winnie the Pooh again. I don't know. Like, we don't see pants. <laughs> But he's, he's recording like we do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got his uh, sleeveless gray or faded blue button-down mechanic shirt. Doesn't look like there's any kind of labels or patches on there. The big clothing reveal here is we get a toe-to-head, like bottom-to-top pan-up of Letty. And Letty is rocking a an outfit with a capital O. They could only be described as Hot Topic, oh, right? He's got flame-adorned <laughs> platform boots. She's with got studs camo on them, pants. right? They have studs on them too, I think. Yeah, I think there's, there's studs on everything she's wearing, I think. Okay. Camo pants with patches and studs hung real low. Like, I didn't realize how low her pants were because it goes up so quickly. But, like, you see probably the top third of her green thong. Like, it's just, yeah, no. her pants are so low. Like, you pointed this out. Low. You pointed this out to me. And, like, I always knew she was wearing low riders. I didn't know it was a thong, that she had, like, the thong, like, hiked up. And yeah. the pants were that low. Yep. Like, I mm-hmm. thought that it was just, like, the pants were low and the thong was, like, the, I thought that the thong was the top of the pants. And they're, re- it's really low to begin with. And then, like, the pants are, like, even lower. And I was like, god damn. It is, uh, I mean, we are in the era of the whale tail, I think, right? Like, the early 2000s. It, we are. Like that, really, it's yeah. It's the perfect time for it. But she's not on a motorcycle, so this is why, like, it kind of took me for a loop. And I don't think she really, I, we have to track her pants from here on out, too. Because oh, for sure. I was surprised at how low they were. Again, PG-13 rating. And she's like... You know, showing crotch shots over here, so. Yep. She's got that lacy red tank top that I think she's, I guess, not famous for, but that's, like, sort of one of the first things I think of when she wears it. Same. Shows her stomach. You know, it's it's very Southern California. It's too hot to actually wear clothes. Uh, she's got a beaded chain necklace. It's not the necklace. It's not the necklace that we're tracking, but it's a beaded chain necklace that's holding a ring, which maybe it's Dom's ring. I don't know. And then she's got black sunglasses on and, you know. Why didn't we you know, bring I'm... back the chain with the ring on it? 
that would have been like the coolest, I don't right? Know. I feel like because you know she wears dog tags, she wears that chain. Yeah, she has she a lot of shit. chain. Yeah. She's got a lot of you know chains and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she has all that hot topic jewelry that she just bought to go with these shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the cars. Cause yeah. You, you did some work on the cars and figured out yeah, what yeah, everything yeah. is. I don't know if this is in order, but I mean, the red car is Letty, and that's a 1997 Nissan 240SX, S14 model number, I guess. Yellow, which we haven't seen if it's Lancer Vince yet. Actually, Vince has the blue one, right? I think Vince I think? has the blue car. Yeah, Vince has the blue car. So this is so the yellow is Lance. He has a 95 Nissan Skyline, which is really cool. The Skyline eventually becomes Brian's thing, right? Yep, yep. So like we see Lance with the Skyline in this one, but like he kind of passes the torch to Brian. Then we get Vince's car and he has a 1999 Nissan Maxima, which is the lamest of all of them. Like <laughs> Well, I mean, Vince is kind of the lamest of all of them, too, so... Yeah, like, I'm sure he does, like, he has, like, a lot of work into it and stuff like that, but we got, like, 240SX, we got a fucking Skyline, and then we have, like, this just Maxima. It's like, okay, whatever. Then Jesse rolls up, 1995 Volkswagen Jetta, which, you know, it's his dad's car. I think that's, I think the Jetta's pretty cool. I would like to have the Jetta. We talked about, you know, that the Jetta is Frankie Munez's car, and he doesn't remember having it. Do you know this? Oh, right, yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he like, actually. Doesn't... Sorry to interrupt. I realized that the the Letty's car, the Nissan 240, isn't Brian in Fast and Furious Four driving a 240 in four? Because he's t- or maybe that's the one that David Park is. Because I remember he wrote down. Because remember they he's got his like assistant or not his assistant, but that that woman who's working the FBI. Yeah, and he's watching the screen when he's watching the screen. Well, no, because he's like, I want you to run the plates of all the David Parks, and she's like, I got a shitty car, I got a shitty car, I got the 240 with the illegal mod, and like the yes. one she says is the yep. 240 with the illegal mod. So yep. I guess you're right. David Park and Letty are driving the same car. Yes. And he goes, yeah, I know, because that's the one that I would drive. Yeah. Like, that's something that I would drive. Okay, yeah, yeah, good call. I didn't even connect those Boom, two. don't know cars, but I remember numbers. Yeah, you do. The 240 is cool because uh, one of my friends had one when I was in high school. Like, it was, it was okay. a really cool car. They're, they're fun. They're just, like, small, fun cars that you could mod and stuff. So those were the main four cars, but as they're driving by, they come around that corner, and they pass a car that's wrecked. I never noticed it was wrecked until, you know, now we're watching the minute. I pay closer attention, and it's... Uh, 1992 Mazda 626, which it looks just like a fucking normal Mazda. I guess like maybe like this looks, looks like a shitty like it looks like it was burnt. It gets smashed in the front, and then it looked like it was fucked up. It looks rusted. Those are all the cars. They're in the document. If you have access to it, they're all linked on Internet Movie Car Database. So yep, that's all yep. the uh, so on the Patreon page, the Fast and Furious Minute is a perk for everybody. So go check that over there. Oh, I didn't get the stickers yet from the cars. We'll see the cars again. Because we're yeah. going to see them again multiple times. So, like, I'm going to build on this. But this run, I was just like, let me get the cars down, put them in place, and yep. um, I'll get yep. to the stickers. Yeah. There's a guiltless gourmet sign on Dom's door that says, the original baked, not fried, tortilla chip. So I guess that's just yeah, a brand that they carry, gourmet. maybe? Yeah. And I also noticed that there's some uh, Tropicana orange juice available in the fridge. Yeah, good job. We talked about the fork and the spoon. Um, then Brian opens the magazine. I don't know what magazine it is, and I would actually like to find it. Yeah, we don't see the cover, but let me actually look. While you, while you talk about this, I'm going to see if I can Google it, Google it. Yeah, give a search for it. He sees a page that says, In the Limelight, a one-of-a-kind Del Sol. Um, there's an ad for iBox Springs. The iBox Springs is in a spread on a page that um, is an advert for promotion distributing pro-motion distributing um they still exist 
I think they're based out of Vegas now. But um, at the time, I found all the info for promotion in the magazine. It says that they're 507 South Coralidge Place, City of Industry, California, 9174. I can't get the last number. Their phone number is 626-333-1400. And their fax number is 626-333-4011. So uh, that's what that says in the magazine right there. Well, I want to say I want to. I'm going to call that number right now. Oh God, yes, yes. Can you do it, please? Can you put mm-hmm. on speaker? Yep. Hold on. Six two six three 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 fourteen hundred. Oh, that's genius. Because they're not going to blur out this number. It's not like a fake number. We're calling promotion distributing. Oh my God. Party's extension. You may dial it at any time. For the operator, press zero. For the dial by name directory, press nine. I'm going to press nine. I'm going to do Toretto. Please enter at least the first three letters of the person's last name. For Q, press 7. T-O-R-E-T-T-O. Oh my god, this is so amazing. I can't believe you're doing Sorry, I could not find any names that match your entry. Damn. Please try again. <laughs> god I guess, damn it. I guess Dom's no longer employed by promotion <laughs> distributing. He never was, but can you imagine if it would have been like connecting you to Toretto? And we'd be like, oh shit! <laughs> And, like, it's an Easter egg. It's like, finally, you're the first person who called this number. Now you can be in every movie after this. (laughs) Oh, boy. 18 years later. Like, okay, so I also Googled um, a magazine Brian is reading, quote, Fast and the Furious, quote, in the limelight, and there's nothing online. So that's why this Fast and Furious Minute document is so important, because we're cataloging the things that haven't been cataloged. Yeah, and I feel like... We could eventually take some screenshots and put it, like, with this minute, right? Because it's, like, not good. Like, once we have the minute filled in, we could, like, add some, like, you know, like, the screenshot oh, yeah. of the I magazine. put in a couple screenshots. Like, I linked the screenshots of uh, Letty's thong because I was just like, I can't believe it. And then I also yeah. linked to the uh, way oversized fork and spoon. So there, there are pictures in there if you have the access to the minute doc. It's still my favorite thing that we're doing on the show. Yeah, this is this is your, you are my lifespan? In SAT prep, it's Joe 2 is to you are my lifespan, just as Joey is to... The Fast and Furious Minute. Yeah, we're going to get to a point, I, like, it will be the only directory of okay. of the first Fast and the Furious, mm-hmm. where it's just like, we just have a fucking everything. To really, to no end, like, to, to, like, there's no reason for it, but it's still, you know, it's great. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. You're going to be able to, like, search everything. Yeah, wow. We got a lot more of that minute. Every time we do this, I, like, watch it like, in, like, one passing, and I'm like, oh, like, nothing really happened here. And then, like, I, like, start, like, getting into it, and you start getting into it, and I see, like, our notes combined, and I'm like, holy shit, we have so much shit from this. Yeah? It's good. It gets a lot more fun, and it's a fun way to do it. As you might know, I wasn't, like, super-duper sold on this idea. Like, I, I was like, okay, I'll do it, but, like, I wasn't super sold on it. But, like, the more we keep going, the more excited I am about it. Well, I'm glad that you're into it. Next minute, we're going to have Letty and Vince show up in the marketing cafe which is gonna be exciting i don't know if it's the next minute i think it's i think in two minutes from now because i made 20 or 30 of the minutes the other day yeah i think we're gonna get the no one likes the tuna asshole i think that's in two minutes i don't think that's the next one i think there's a minute of conflict in the cafe and then the next one is the fight outsides and the watch your watch your watch your back you get Jesse and um, Leon looking at sunglasses, and that's why I remember. So, like, you get, like, the pan back. He's like, let it play out or something. You know what I mean? Like, Yep. All right, well, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to bring Larson in. We're going to be welcomed back by our very generous sponsor, Men's Warehouse. But we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever, 
Fast and Furious 4. This episode is brought to you by Men's Warehouse. With their staff of expert stylists and master tailors in over 700 locations worldwide, Men's Warehouse is here to assist you with all your men's warehouse needs, menswear needs, and to help you find your perfect fit. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Scott Norris. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with us tonight, we teased it before the break, we have the co-host of the cult classic podcast, a perfect 10-episode run. We had his former co-host on a couple laps ago to talk about Tokyo Drift. With us tonight, the co-host of Monkey Club. You know him, or you will know him. You love him, or you will love him, (laughs) Mr. Christian Larson. Hello, Larson. Hey, everybody. Wow, I am super psyched to be here. Big fan of the work of you two, and I'm really excited to be talking about this movie. I'm so glad to have you on. I was saying before you came on, but um, I'm stoked. Like, I like bullshitting with you in, in life. I was sad that you hadn't been on one yet, and this is perfect timing. So yeah, I mean, I, I just met you uh, recently at Joey's house. We met before oh, that's at right. Joey's that's house. Right. You, met, you met at our friend Ben's house, too. One of my yes, going away parties, we met you, were like, exactly. you pointed to Joe, and you're like, why don't we know this kid? Why, are we, why aren't we friends with him forever? And I said, oh, because he lives in Connecticut. You're like, well, that makes sense. Joey rolls with yes. such a deep entourage that it's hard to uh, <laughs> keep track. Well, we were singing your praises before the break that you had been a sort of a last-minute sub and that we had always planned to have you on, but we had our guest fall out, and we needed somebody sort of last minute, and you said, sure, why not? And here you are, first person we turned talking to, about yep. Fast and Furious number four. I usually don't have a lot to do in the evenings these days, so... Well, now that you're a married <laughs> man, I mean, like, your, your life yeah. is over, right? <laughs> yuck, yuck, I, I'm yuck. like uh, Brian and Jordana Brewster mm-hmm. in that mansion by the sea. Larson, have you seen all eight movies in this franchise? I have indeed. I've seen them completely out of order, some of them twice, but most of them just once. I only have vague recollections of most of them. Most of them can be identified by just a single set piece, you know, like I know that five is the one with the safe that flies Mm -hmm. all over the place. This is how we distinguish them, too. Yeah. I know that six is the one with the runway. Longest, world's longest runway. Yeah. yeah. And uh, eight is the one with the submarine. Two is the one in Miami. Yep. Three is the one with nobody in it in Japan, <laughs> and one is, you know, the first one. And I was surprised looking, watching this movie. This is the first one where both Dom and Brian are back. Yes. So this is yes, sort is. of considered a soft reboot of the franchise that Justin Lin had taken over in Tokyo Drift, directed this one. And this is, you know, after two movies that where it was just, you know, Brian from the first one kind of, and we just met all new characters, and then in three everyone was new this is like the i mean the tagline for this movie is new model original parts like they knew exactly what they were doing this is in a lot of ways the same movie as the first one but slicker and glossier and sort of a reintroduction to people in a way like another good entry point to the series so the question is before we before we ask for your rankings what was the first one of these eight that you saw did you see the first one first you see another one first no i saw the fifth one in theaters oh and it was really okay. cool. You came in where Joey came in, yeah. You know, then I sort of worked my way back. A okay. few years later, I went back and watched all of them up to, in in preparation for the sixth one, I watched the first five. And some of the movies, that was the only time I did or have seen them. And I remember back okay. then, and this is something we were talking about before we started recording, I had been told that the fourth one was 
generally considered the worst. Is is that as scholars of the franchise, <laughs> is that something that you've heard as well? And and where does it fit? I know your rankings are ever evolving, but but where does this one fit purely compared to the other ones on your scale? So when we started this, like in the very first episode, like even before we started the movies, I talked about how I was dreading watching four again, and I don't think that I could watch it on loop forever. As we've watched them now four times through, as we keep watching them, I realize four isn't that bad. The standout now, most people that write into us, their rankings and stuff, consider two and eight to be the worst ones Mm. eight is like pretty much unanimously the worst one regarded by fans that speak to us at least two is pretty low down there before it falls around the bottom but people don't hate it as much as i assumed they would yeah joey uh, what are your thoughts on the fourth one is it as bad as people say is eight really that bad and if so why so eight is my least favorite i think it's joe's least favorite too it just it had gotten to a point where like pretty widely considered five six and seven are well actually so to take a step back further i think there's sort of two camps of fast and furious fans there's people who like the car stuff from the first few movies and there's people who like the action stuff of the latter movies if we had to sort of pick one or the other joe's kind of in the first one although he likes all eight and i'm sort of in the second one though i like all eight so, like, he came in early, he's all about the cars, I'm more about the action. Like you, Larson, I came with five, and I love those, you know, The Rock, and I love the the big, crazy action set pieces. Eight, I think, is a disappointment, because five, six, and seven had been so good, and then they add Charlie Theron, and you're like, oh, shit, and then they take Dom and they pit him against the family, and it just sort of falls flat in a lot of ways. And Joe, I was actually thinking Also, about... they add a lot of characters. They, they haven't removed any characters, right. right? So we're just adding it so it's 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 hard to share screen time in 8. You know, like we get pieces that we like, but you don't really get a lot of anyone because there's so many people. I can see that. I can definitely see that. I was thinking here in this one, I know, it, I know Paul Walker's not alive in the 8th movie, but this movie is essentially Dom, like family versus family. It's Brian versus Dom, other sides of the law. And I feel like this is done well... Whereas the eighth one is just not done well. And it's just, you know, it's that kind of where it's like, oh, it could have been good. Like, I get what you're going for, but it's sort of disappointing. Four, this one I remembered really liking because I saw five after How This Get Made covered it. And then I went back and I watched one through five in a row. When we were starting the podcast, Joe was really worried to watch this one. I was like, no, 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 like four is good. You know, this is a movie that I like less than most Fast and Furious movies. But as we talk about a lot, a bad Fast and Furious movie is still better than most movies, or at least more enjoyable than most movies. So even though I like, you know, maybe five Fast and Furious movies more than this, I still love this movie. The later, more over-the-top movies are definitely fresher in my mind, but of course I've seen the first one a million times because it's sort of always on TBS or something. Do you have the first two? The first two are the only ones on VHS. Do you own those on VHS? I don't. I don't have either of them on VHS. I need to correct that, definitely. Well, live on air, when we had Mike Manzi on for an entire lap, I bought for like six bucks on eBay the two VHS tapes. So they're out there and not expensive. Oh, yeah. I was at a thrift store um, the other day that had a gold mine of VHS tapes, and they had Too Fast, Too Furious, but there was so much other like old stuff see i usually don't go for stuff that you could also get on dvd like i try to find really old rare stuff only vhs prints yeah 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 yeah. i'm kind of running out of that (laughs) like i was saying i'm familiar with both ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. and this movie seems like right in the middle and it is sort of the as you said it was intended as sort of a reboot of the series and this is where they kind of 
kickstart the new era. It's sort of an origin story. And and that's what it felt like to me because it, it felt right in the middle of those two extremes that I was used to. I respect it for that reason too. I told Joey, like, looking at it in the scope of all the films, I kind of like that it builds the foundation for 5 through 7, which I love so much. And so I have to revere it for that more than I originally thought. Like, when I saw it when it came out, and it was 4, and it was the fourth one in the series, I was very disappointed by it. But then when I see where it led, I, like, look back on it, and I'm like, oh, this was pivotal to change it and go back to the family and stuff like this. Sure. So I have to put new respect on it. And I hope that we eventually feel the same way about 8, Joey, right? Because there might be a time where, like, 9 explains a lot of 8, and we're like, wow, 8 was a lot better than we thought. Yeah, I hope so. I can't see it happening just because of like what we feel about it now and how it played out and whatever, but maybe there will be a time that that happens. Yeah. So, so now, Larson, this might be difficult as you sort of you know them from the set pieces, but if you had to rank these eight movies, what order would you put them in, from favorite to least favorite or least favorite to most favorite? Oh, my goodness. Let's see. The one with... <laughs> and again, I, I'm, I'm... We can trying, help, brother. I only no recognize them by certain set pieces. There was the one with the tank on the bridge. That's seven. No, it's six. It's, it's six. Okay, so it's six. So six is your number one. Definitely six. But you like it because of the, the tank on the bridge, not because of the world's longest runway? Well, I love both of those things. Okay. I just thought they were in different movies. So now I'm <laughs> even more convinced that six is my favorite. What were the big What were the big set pieces in seven? So seven is the one that says goodbye to Paul, where Paul dies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Seven is the one where it's Jason Statham. It's, it's Dom versus versus Shaw where he comes back yeah they is that the one where they throw a bag of grenades into a into a helicopter yes yes okay I love that okay so and it, and the rock rips off the gun from the helicopter yeah Dom and Jason Statham have a street fight yep. with wrenches yep mm-hmm Okay, okay. They so play chicken multiple times. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it's definitely six, seven. Yep. I didn't realize until now that I, I didn't like eight that much, and I I couldn't figure out why, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's just too many damn characters. It doesn't really feel... Yep. It's kind of starting to think, feel like yeah. a mess. I don't like the fact that they are just forgiving bad guys just so they can be part of the story. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hashtag justice <laughs> yeah. for Han. I, I'm forced to to suspend a lot of disbelief in these movies. I get that, but I'm sorry. Not really into that, but they got to do what they got to do. Somebody got to get paid, yeah. There's still a lot of cool stuff in that movie, but, I mean, five would be next. Okay, so we got six, seven, five. Six, seven, five. One is a classic. Okay. Got to throw that okay. relatively high yep. in there. People love Tokyo Drift. I gotta have my boys. I gotta have at least one of them in there. That's a very polarizing one. People yeah. either love or hate Tokyo yeah. Drift. I mean, Han is cool. I'd put four above it. I'd, put, I'd go four, three, two. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I find Tyrese very irritating, and uh, <laughs> number two is all Tyrese, so... Joey agrees with I you. Do. Well, I, I love Tyrese <laughs> early, but by the end, it just didn't. So, wait, where, and where did you have number eight? Oh, I didn't put it in there. I would say number eight is below... I, it's one, four, eight, three, 
two. two. It's hard, man. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Well, it's hard when you don't have the same encyclopedic of uh, recall of the films that okay. you guys do. Well, I think you know the the important thing is that your rankings are pretty reflective of the average. I think. I think you're right in the right. Wheelhouse. I think so. I I wanted to bring this up. I almost brought it. Up. I almost sent you guys an email with this. There's a woman who is a uh, executive producer that works closely with Seth MacFarlane. Okay. She works on Family Guy and the Orville. Her name is Cherry okay. Chivapravadumrong. Okay. You've probably seen her name in the credits of Family Guy or the Orville, um, but she is a huge Fast and the Furious fan. Okay. Oh. She actually, Stewie Griffin ranked the Fast and Furious movies in a Family Guy episode. We didn't was, know this. It, I didn't know this. It was her yeah. personal ranking. Okay. Her ranking is Fast and Furious 6, number one. Fast Five, okay. number two. Okay. Furious Seven, number three. Okay. Tokyo Drift, number four. Fast and the Furious Original, number five. Fast and Furious, the one we just watched, uh, number six. Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, number seven. Yeah, I guess this came out before number eight, but that's yep. her ranking. Well, that's awesome. Uh, wow. You know, there's also, uh, we've talked about on here before, that there's an episode of The Good Place that opens up with uh, Jason Mendoza talking about, he's like, number five is number one, number six is number two, and, he's like, <laughs> and that's my rankings of the Fast and the Furious movies. So like, we've talked a lot about how like these movies that are sort of, to a certain uncultured type of person, appear dumb and sort of over the top and goofy and whatever, but there's a lot of people who love these movies and who appreciate yeah. and love these movies and put that love into other things they create. And so whether it's, you know, the Family Guy producer, the people who make I the I can't believe it permeates whatever, other yeah. media like love this. It. They love it so much that they reference it in their own art. You know what I mean? Like that's what's beautiful about it. Absolutely. It's like it's it's now infiltrated the culture that deeply. Well, there's also a uh, there's a, a video blogger named Patrick Willems. I've plugged his stuff on other podcasts, but mostly it's because he his the spirit of his stuff reminds me of the Cage Club Network, where he likes to talk about stuff he loves and he doesn't like tearing stuff down, which is kind of the status quo for any sort of right. criticism these days yeah and he made a very good video essay on exactly why the fast and furious series is so great i highly recommend you guys check it out and anyone listening if you love it too very cool yeah yeah i'll check it out so now larson before we talk about this movie in particular we've got a lot of either or questions you know there's no wrong answers it's, it's kind of oh. rapid fire round lightning, lightning sure. just off the cuff Lightning Love gut instincts. Larson, are you more of a Brian or a Dom? Well, I mean, I'm definitely more of a Brian. <laughs> I wouldn't say uh, <laughs> I'm definitely not. So you're just like a really shitty cop. I, I mean, Is that what I'm you're trying to say <laughs> I'm uh, I'm only saying that by process of elimination because I'm not the guy who would be tossing people through walls. Yeah, um, that's fair. Fair. I think you're, you're a little bit more Brian-looking, too. You're like, yeah. you got you know, that sandy handsome hair, and, yeah. Yes, and again, I'm certainly not Vin Diesel-looking, so <laughs> by default, I am uh, more Paul Walker. Now, similarly, and I think based on your explanation for that one, I think we're, we know where you're going to go with this. Are you more of a Mia so, or a Letty? Oh, that's a good question. That's like the, the sort of Mad Men Jackie Marilyn thing. Mm. You know, because Letty is dangerous and exotic i always call her jordana brewster what's mia. what's her name in the movie mia. mia you can you either or we all know who you're talking about it's yeah okay. yeah she's like the sweet one she's the den mother i would go with nia just because she's she's more she seems to be more caring and domestic i know that makes me sound <laughs> horrible but 
Yeah, I don't know if I could keep up with with a Letty. That's that's okay. Now, this next one, you've already sort of made your thoughts on one of these characters known. Are you more of a Roman or a Tej? Tyrese or Ludacris? Oh, I'm a I'm a Tej definitely. Okay. I mean, Tej knows when it's time to crack wise and when it's time to get down to business. Yeah. You know, with Tyrese, it's just all chaos. clowning all the time. Now, Larson, later movies now, are you more of a Deckard Shaw, who's Jason Statham, or are you more of an Owen Shaw, who's Luke Evans? So the bad guy in six, or Jason Statham, the bad guy in seven? I'll say this. I don't remember much about the guy who's not Jason Statham. Okay. <laughs> By default, I would say Jason Statham, okay. but I guess because Jason Statham has a lot of cool one-liners, I'd like to think that I <laughs> I would be witty under pressure. Sure. So now this next one's tough. I feel like, Joe, we've had a lot of guests lately that live in New York and don't necessarily drive, but, Larson, are you yes. more of a fan of American muscle cars, like, you know, the ones that Dom drives, the Chargers, the Challengers, or imports, you know, the Skylines, the kind of cars that Brian typically drives. Oh, I am I'm an American muscle car person all the way. Take a look at my GTA Online garage, and you'll find <laughs> lots of them. Knowing who you are with your turnpike tattoo, your par- Parkway, sorry, Parkway. Garden State, he has Garden State. Yeah, man. the Garden State Parkway, GSP, baby. The Americana that that tattoo embodies more closely lines up with the American muscle than it does with, you know, a, a Yeah, you can't have your arm out the window driving, like, a, a tuner and have the Garden State Parkway. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, I respect both, but there's something about, they're just beasts, you know? I'm a big fan of what they call the hoopty. I you love know, hoopties, yeah. Gener- generally a, a large-bodied car from the 70s or 80s, usually kind of beat up. Barely still running. Yeah, but just drives like a ship more than a car. You know, I I'm fascinated with old school station wagons. That's kind of kind of a fascination of mine. My dream is to one day own a giant wood paneled station wagon from the early eighties. Oh, I love it! Nothing's more American America. than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's V8, baby. Those things. Once you get them up to speed, it's uh, you know. But I I have crazy. a note on that later. But yeah, now, American muscle all the way. Okay, now Larson, I know that in in general you're more of a whiskey man than a beer man, but if you had to choose between Corona and Belgian ale, what would you pick? Oh, Corona, absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Family. Again, I'm not a beer guy, but we we were saying Alyssa and I were watching this before and the way they drink Corona just makes you want a Corona. Like yeah. They grab it's so it. so sexy. I agree. Yeah, yeah something it's about the way, ice cold. the way they yeah. hold it and the way they lift it. It's it's very – maybe it's just for product placement to keep the label out. Well, so what we've heard is that Corona didn't, has never paid to be a sponsor in these movies, that they just yeah. input, they put them into these movies because that's what the people on – like in actual racing set scenes and sets and crews, real drinking. street racers in Southern California would drink Corona. So they had it so down to that detail – that they had Corona in there. So this is like, you know, probably billions of dollars of free advertising that Corona's gotten because of these movies. It's intimately linked to these movies now. How crazy is that? Like, one of the biggest franchises in the world, people are like, oh, what beer do they drink? And you're like, Corona, obviously. And (laughs) then, like, they didn't pay for this? Fucking awesome. Yeah, it's the first thing you think about after the cars. Yeah, for sure. And we'll get to a question like that in a little bit. But now, Larson, are you more of a racer? Like, if we're planning a job, are you a racer? Are you out on the streets actually pulling off the heist or whatever or are you a designer are you sort of the support 
back in home base, back in HQ? Well, I'll tell you what. Back in the day, I was a pizza delivery guy. Mm-hmm. I kind of mm. fancied myself... Like, I knew the quickest route from here to there. I Ooh. was pulling off maneuvers in the streets. You're just, like, drifting, like Tokyo drifting I mean, the streets with pizzas? I if, mean, if, if I could, I would. If I wasn't uh, so scared of the, uh, the local Bergen County police... But yeah, I would be out there. I would absolutely be out there. I would okay. love to be... Like, if I were in one of these movies, I would love to be a... A pizza delivery guy who, like, just kind of fell in with the gang. Well, there is a pizza delivery guy in the first movie. I think it's the director of the first movie, Rob Cohen. It's Rob Cohen. He pulls up to where they block off the street for a street race. He goes, come on, guys, i got to get through here, or something like that. And so there is pizza delivery canon in this world. I'd like to think that pizza delivery as a concept exists in these movies. Otherwise, that would be a little too much for me to handle. (laughs) If their universe is exactly like ours, except pizza does not except exist. Except no pizza delivery. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice in this for the first time that they drive, I mean, they're just driving through L.A., but there's a, a billboard for that just has Homer Simpson's face on it. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I guess this is a, a world in which the Simpsons exist, so... Yeah, maybe there's a Simpsons crossover. Who knows? All right, now Larson, we pull off that heist. You're out in the you're out in the streets. You're doing exactly what you need to do as a racer. We steal 110 million dollars. We split it 11 ways. You got 10 million dollars. You go to Monaco. Are you betting it all on red, or are you betting it all on black? Wow, that is <laughs> that is a very uh, okay. Um, it's a big well, build-up to a very simple to, question. I would have to say I would bet it all on black because that's what Wesley Snipes told me to do in <laughs> Passenger Fifty Seven. So, which wow? Do you want to share with our listeners what what the real? actual importance of Passenger 57 is? Well, actually, I'm going to get to that because there is a very interesting crossover in this film that has to do with the film that you're referring to. So we'll we'll definitely get to that. Okay. All right. Now, Larson, here's a, a weird question. If you're so say you're in a car, would you rather drive, have to get your car into a plane like they do at the world's longest runway in six or would you rather get your car out of a plane like they do in seven when they sort of GPS fall from the plane onto an island. Parachute. Oh, car parachute. No question into the plane. I am petrified of skydiving or bungee jumping or the, the prospect of either. Yeah. They had to go bungee jumping on last week's Bachelorette episode, and I, <laughs> I could barely watch. So yeah, going in. I'm terrified of heights. I'm with you, brother. Have you done that, or are you just sort of... You, you just, oh, no, no, you're no. You're afraid of the I concept. Mean, it's, just the concept of it. It's frightening. I agree. And it gets worse as I get older, too. It's it's really weird. This next question is a question that actually derives from your parents' basement. Okay. Is the word oil one syllable or two? Oh, my God. I remember us having that conversation. Yep. It's two. It's, I, I mean, it, it doesn't look like it should be, but oil. So, oil. so here's how I remember it, Larson. I remember having no one on my side, and I'm saying it's two syllables, and especially your sister Renee saying it's one, and being very adamant that it's one. And I feel like, and maybe this is just the sands of time or whatever, the clouds of memory or whatever, changing my memory, but I feel like I was me against the world, and since we started (laughs) doing this, I would say like 80% of people agree with me now that it's two. You know, we're on the right side of history now, it's two, Joe doesn't believe it, but I think it's true. Oil. 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 Yeah, you're saying it's too. Oil. 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 <laughs> oh, Oil. boy, it's all coming back to me now. 
I mean, we had a lot of really dumb conversations in that basement. We've talked about the charades in the basement a lot on this podcast because of that question. And your one friend, though I, I don't remember who he was because he only came over a couple times trying to get me to guess Treebeard the Ent. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what this is. I'm not a Lord of the Rings nerd. My favorite one, I forget who it was. I think it might have been Pete Kaludi. He did Sounds Like, and then he, he waved his hands like nothing. Sounds like nothing. <laughs> And I think it was you that immediately said orange and and, and won. And that made both really? of you okay. legends. Okay. All right. Now, Larson, this is a kind of a, a grisly question. But oh dear. toward the end of the series, or like at least the movies that we've seen so far, Dom almost dies in a couple different ways. Would you, or characters almost die in a couple different ways. Would you rather die, if you had the choice, in a fiery explosion or by drowning in icy water? Definitely by drowning and okay. I'll, tell, I'll tell you why, because in driver's ed in high school, we had a cop come and talk to us about car accidents, and he described in great detail what it feels like to burn alive. He said that your skin keeps seeking oxygen, and the flames are feeding on the oxygen, Oof. so your skin just keeps the flame going because Ugh. it needs oxygen. Ugh. Yeah, and the way he described it was just, like, horrifying. I mean, I know Ugh. that was the point, but from that day on, I was like, okay, burning alive is the worst way to go. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Drowning's pretty bad, I but yeah. think... Now, I'm looking back at the the answers, Joe, and I think that he you're the only other person of the, like, we only have, like, about six or eight answers to that question because that was one of the more recent ones that we at, we added, but yeah. I think the two of you are the only people who picked Icy Water, I think. Wow. Well, I they're, both, they're both brutal. They're both tough ways to go. Yeah. Now, Larson, I'm very interested here, given your, I don't want to say past career, but past paid hobby as a karaoke DJ. Sure. In 7, they have Roman distract the crowd. They say, do what you do, and he goes up there and sings... A song. He sings a karaoke song. So now, Larson, we're out on a job. We're out on a mission. You need to be the distraction. You need to be basically the Tyrese of our group. You need to sing a song to a crowd of people you don't know. No musical backing. What song are you singing a cappella? What's your distraction song? Uh, I know exactly what it would be. It would be Work It by Missy Elliott. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Without a a good choice. This is great because we get choices across the board, and they're all awesome. Like, everybody goes, I know my song, and they instantly drop it, and you're like, oh, fuck, okay, yeah. You know, it was one of my favorites to do when I I would host karaoke, not just because of the novelty of seeing a, a white boy get up there and do a song like that, but... I knew I know all the words, and when you're doing a rap song, you kind of have to because it goes mm-hmm. by so quickly. But yeah, I'd kill it. I love it. Revenge of the Nerds or the Dark Knight? Okay, wow. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that applies to this film franchise, but well, it's, a, it's a specific question that's asked in the eighth movie that Tyrese asks Miss Indy from Natalie Emanuel from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. He asks her, "Would you prefer?" Revenge of the Nerds, The Dark Knight, meaning Ludacris or himself. But with, without context, just if you hear that question, what do you think? Revenge of the well, Nerds? Well, I, I mean, I, I would go Revenge of the Nerds, absolutely. I mean, I'm a sucker for 80s comedies. And despite the sexist situations in that, which certainly haven't uh, aged well, I would actually rather go back and watch Fast and the Furious. I mean, Dark Knight is like Radiohead, say. I respect it. I 
respect the opinions of a lot of smart people I know who love it, <laughs> but I would not voluntarily sit down and casually listen to it or watch. I mean, I've seen Dark Knight a couple times. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to see it anymore. Revenge of the Fair. Nerds. I yeah, classic I fun. And and even looking back, that whole Batman trilogy is just kind of a little overwrought. I think. I'm not going to disagree. I mean, I don't agree, but I'm not going to disagree. Like, I can totally sure. see, like, I... Yeah, you make valid points, yeah. man. All right, now, Larson, last question before we get into the heart of this discussion. Do you have a favorite character in any of these movies? Yes, I would say Dom. Uh, even right. though I like a lot of different characters, I feel like, obviously, Dom is the heart of sure. the whole thing. Not just because he's awesome with cars and he's a total badass, but he is able to say these ridiculous lines and he's able to do Oh, there's the most, a lot of them in here too. Yeah, yeah. And he's able to do the most melodramatic shit that would seem ridiculous and comical if it wasn't for him. The shit that would come off as laughably hilarious in in something else all of a sudden seems almost heartfelt and dramatic from him dom all the way cool yeah we get a lot of that in four too this is like the turning point of like dom being a a dramatic actor in these films speaking though about this movie in particular about fast and furious number four you said the first one you saw was five after you saw five did you see them again in order you watch one two three four five or i guess the, the the more specific question is when was the first time what was the context when you first saw this movie yeah well like i said i was preparing to see six in theaters So I went back and watched one through five. Uh, I was actually showing them to a friend of mine who I was planning on seeing six with in the theater. But we just kind of marathoned all of them. And that's a big part of why the details kind of get blurry. And again, I kind of went into it hearing that number four was a big letdown. At the time, it was a letdown for me because... There weren't a lot of exotic locations. I had just seen five, so that kind of... Everything was a letdown after that. Right. All I remember was them driving through a tunnel. That was it. I think it was like four in the morning when I watched this one. So I really... (laughs) Out of all of them, this is the one that I had the least background with. So now that actually might give the answer to this next question, but this is now our... You know, each lap that we do, each time we cycle through all these movies, we have a lap name, we have a theme sort of a focus for these laps. And this one where it's the walk down memory chain, because over the first three laps of this podcast, we talked a lot about the necklace that makes as a big part in this movie, the necklace that Dom leaves for Letty and that he gets back when she quote unquote dies. So we're walking down memory chain. Joe and I are in the opening segment logging where we see the necklace. So our question to kick off the discussion is when you think of this movie, when you just think of like somebody says Fast and Furious number four, and I think especially given the way that you were describing the movies earlier in terms of set pieces, what's the first thing you think of? Is it a shot or a character or a moment or a scene? Song, anything. anything. Like, what's the first thing that you think of when you think of Fast and Furious number four? It's the tunnels. You know, that was something that really stuck with me. I mean, it kind of was the only thing that stuck with me from the last time I saw it. But watching it again this time, those tunnels, I mean, it's certainly not on the level of the set pieces of the later films, of course. But there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on. If you think about the tension of driving through windy tunnels at high speeds. Blind. 
you know... That you, you don't know, that you've never driven through before. Blind, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you think about it like that, it's, you know, you kind of lose that in the later ones because you know that, you know, nothing bad's ever going to happen to them. And this is sort of the last time when you kind of think like, well, maybe something bad can happen. And especially when they're zipping through these tunnels and there's all kinds of obstacles, there's a lot of real tension in that scene. And that's definitely what sticks with me. That's a good shot. I think that that's my second most memorable moment. What's your number For one? For me, this is the one where Letty dies. That's like the first mm. thing I think of. Yeah. When I think of four, I just think Letty dies. That's the first thing that comes to my brain. I do think the tunnel's second because I think that like cinematically that's the most memorable like thing I can visualize when I think of this movie. But it's always just Letty dies. Like just like the phrase Letty dies comes into my head. We were talking about this before we recorded. This is Michelle Rodriguez was kind of bowing out of the series at this point, uh, only to come back in six. She did Avatar, or maybe she needed to leave because she was doing Avatar as well, and maybe. they knew she was going to come back. I don't know. Do you guys know any more about the circumstances? No, we, I mean, the only thing that we really talk about is how little she's actually in the movies, given how central she is. Because she's not in two, she's not in three, she's barely in four, she's not in five. Like, for how core her character is, she's not in these movies a lot. I don't know why. Like, we know that for the second movie, they had written two scripts, one with Vin Diesel, one without Vin Diesel, based on whether or not he was going to return or not. And he basically he opted not to, and then they sort of wooed him back by saying, you know, you can have Riddick if you do these movies for us. And so I don't know that we've read, maybe Cassie knows, and we have one listener, Cassie, who loves Letty. Like, Letty's her favorite character. She knows all about that. So, let, or Cassie, if you're listening, if you know why Michelle Rodriguez left, if it was because of Avatar or other movies, she wanted to leave, this was always part of the plan, why did Michelle Rodriguez... But we don't know. But it doesn't like, feel like it was actually part of the plan, right? Like, bringing somebody back to life doesn't feel like to a movie later... Right. ...doesn't feel like it was, like, part of what they sought to do, you know? Well, I also, so. I mean, it could be that she... She dies, quote unquote, dies in this movie. We we have we go to her funeral, but we never see a body. Like it's kind of Game of Thronesy in that way. We might have even said this before. We're like until you see the body, she's not necessarily gone. Yeah, yeah and, and even then, we don't know if she's gone. Right. So I don't know. But yeah, Larson, we don't have we don't have a good answer for you, unfortunately. The other thing that led me to believe that that maybe it was planned, her return was planned, or at least they were leaving the door open, was that Dom continuously rejects the advances of Gal Gadot. He keeps turning her down, especially at the end, like when she sees them off into Mexico, and it's like his last shot with her, and he's like, no, sorry. Just kisses them on the cheek, and she's out of there, yeah. Well, and to counter your point, though, he does take the advances of... Of what's fuck? I forgot her name, Joey. Elena. Elena. So he does have a relationship with Elena, but that's in the next movie, and that's theoretically years from now. Like Letty's body, if she actually died, is still basically warm in the ground when he's rebuffing Gal Gadot. But Elena, it's a new life. It's a new place. It's a new country. Yeah. Yeah. And also in in real life, it could be that at this point they weren't sure that if if Michelle Rodriguez was going to return. So they wanted to keep that door open. Going into the fifth one, they were like, nah, she's not going to come back. So let's just, let's find another love Give interest. Give him a new yeah. girlfriend kind yeah. of thing. Yep. Yeah. I think, I'm trying to think what my, because I was, you know, now that we're in this lab, I try to think of it while I'm watching it, you know, what my, what the thing I think of most. And there's two exchanges that I know almost all the words to, but I, 
it's not the first thing I think of, but it's the Dom the describing his, yep. his dream woman, you know, 20% angel, 80% devil. Yes. It doesn't yep. sound anything like me. It ain't. Like, I love that. Like, that's one thing. The Brian and Mia scene in the diner. What if you're a good guy pretending to be a bad guy? Every day. Yep. Those two, like, I just, like, I think in a franchise not necessarily known for its writing, I think that those are such beautifully written scenes for the characters that I think that there's like two of my favorite scenes in any of the movies just based on like how exactly they nail the characters and like their their behaviors and their thoughts and everything like that. The writing is good for this one. And that's another reason why this one keeps climbing up for me because like you said like I think the dialogue writing in this one is is great. And those two speeches, monologues are like the perfect examples of it. And this is why I can't put this one at the bottom of the list. Yep. I think the thing that I think of first, and it's sort of a dumb thing, I think, I, I still don't know why this is where my brain goes, but I just think of Dom recreating the crime scene when he's, like, doing his... Detective Dom? Yeah, yep, he's yep. doing his, like, Hannibal, his Will Graham, sort of, like, this yes. is my design, and, and he's, Sherlock. like, just imagining the car there. Yeah, like, it's just, I, I think of that, like, I think of him bending over, rubbing his finger on the ground for the nitro meth, and just, like... I know exactly how this all went down. Even though he, he's wildly wrong, because Letty doesn't die. Like, it's not, he's not right at all. But, nope. I love how, like, very specifically, he knows exactly what happened, exactly who to go after, you know, what he's looking for, the nitro meth, only pussies run nitro meth. Like, I think of that scene, we don't see anything like that in any other movie in the, in the franchise. Nope. But I just love how, like, genuine, but also goofy, it's like, unintentionally goofy, but I just think of that. Like, I think it's a weird, funny scene. Yeah, that's a good one. So, Larson, this is now your sort of your platform to talk about, you know, this movie, this movie in relation to the franchise. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to kick things off talking about Fast and Furious number four? I took notes for this like I would for any other film I was planning on discussing for a podcast. I realize that you guys have talked about this movie, what, Three times already? Four? Yeah, this is our fourth time. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and fourth time. It, it certainly wouldn't be the usual breaking down the plot sort of thing. So I, I found a few moments in the movie that I thought might uh, lead to a, a more wide-ranging discussion. The, f- the first one is Brian as a cop. Shittiest cop in the world. Yeah, but, uh, you know, you, you see him. I, I know you saw him working with the DEA more having meetings and that sort of stuff. There were a lot... I, I know most people say that the first one is Point Break with Cars, but there yes. were there were so many Point Break... A movie I love, by the way, and I, I'm sure you guys do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were a lot of parallels in the beginning. I think that's kind of the nod, though, with the, like, with the reboot. I think yeah. they're coming back and they're giving you the other parts of Point Break that they didn't give you in the first Giselle one, right? says to Dom twice in this movie via yes. Like That's not a coincidence. Yeah. There, no. it, it has to, there are points when I think it has to be. I mean, not only is it a movie that's all about L.A., but there's the foot chase where where he yep. literally runs through someone's apartment it's very much the same thing and and the dynamic he has with the other FBI agents as well yeah. yes mm-hmm. yeah definitely i see it also you, also and this is something what? that i wrote down not thinking about the point break connection but if we were doing the what's the first thing you think about when you think about point break the first thing i think of is utah get me to and Gary Busey looking for two meatball subs. I wrote down in this movie, I think it's a sad, like, look how far he is from family, but it also relates to Point Break. Like, Brian eating a sub 
in his car alone. Yes. Like, that's not a, like a point breaky vibe, but I was also like, just think about how far he is from a yes. family barbecue, right? But like yep. him just in his car, in his suit, looking through the case file, just like, you know, opening up like a takeout meatball sub or whatever, right? Like that's point breaky. And I never realized until just this moment, but this move, like this time viewing, I was thinking about that scene in particular because it's not him like later in the movie sitting down with Dom and Mia to eat and sort of break bread. It's just him by himself, not even like really like enjoying the food. He's just... He's just eating it because he needs to keep going, working late at night. The only thing that would have made it more perfect is if instead of reading the case file, he was reading Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> the other thing, you know, I was talking about his his dynamic with his fellow agents. There's the real asshole agent with the uh, Polish last name. And I feel like every asshole cop always has a Polish last name. I don't know. <laughs> got a bad rap. Uh, he's right. played yeah, by the asshole sheriff in the third season of Fargo. Oh. I kept thinking, I know this guy. He has this vibe of, like, the dad who yells at his son when he doesn't get enough time playing time in a football game, you know? <laughs> sort of like yeah. the, the yep. dark coach uh, Taylor. He gives off a dickish vibe. I mean, I've only seen him in two things. Although, in his IMDb picture, he looks like kind of a dandy. He's got he a does, scarf yeah. tossed around his neck, and he looks Shane like... Shane uh, as Stasiak here. Yes, Stasiak, the, that's uh, it. Picture here. He's just got like a, a full neck zip-up and like a, a nice fitting <laughs> coat, twice-wrapped scarf around his neck, and like a very oh, yeah. expensive haircut. Yeah, like he's not at all the same kind of guy here, but he, he pulls both off, I think. He pulls off this dandy look, and he also pulls off the uh, yelling at his kid for not, you know, not wrapping up, not not arm-tackling that guy. He's definitely sort of the John McGinley character from, from Point Break. In this movie, Vin Diesel is sort of like the Incredible Hulk. You know, it, he he was a badass in the first one, sure, but in this he one, bigger. he's throwing guys through walls, he's dangling people out windows, he gets shot in the shoulder and barely flinches. Mm -hmm. He's really being set up as this unstoppable force, which kind of makes me understand more his resentment towards The Rock as an actor once he is introduced to the franchise because The Rock sort of becomes that guy. Right. Yes. We track it sometimes in... If you watch Vin Diesel's purely his physique, as The Rock enters the movies, they start having like a bodybuilding contest essentially. Like you'll watch them both get like bigger and bigger and bigger for yeah. every movie. So yeah, I, th I think it plays into your what you're saying here. It kind of makes sense that they are going their separate ways as far as movies go because you can't have two giant hulks in every movie, you know? No, it just doesn't make sense. There can't be two unstoppable guys. It's like, what, like, it just becomes Terminator 2 or whatever. Yeah, so. but uh, even in Terminator 2, you know, there, there was a different dynamic for both of them. Yeah, I like that, yeah. you know, you can't really, like, you, you gotta sort of elaborate on that because you're like, it just becomes Terminator 2, widely considered the greatest action movie of all time. Like, it, it <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like, work. just like... We don't want this going that route. <laughs> No, but I, I know you, I know what you mean. Like, it's not like at a certain point, like it's like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like Freddy versus Jason? But like, 
you know, if they're just if they can't kill each other, like what's the, like what's the point? Exactly. That's yeah. that's yeah. my whole point. Yeah. The introduction of the two of the, not introduction because they've both been seen before, but at Letty's funeral, the stare down across the funeral yeah. where you see Dom standing in front of the oil rig and you see Brian standing in front of his you know, unmarked car. That is incredible. Yeah. It's a great shot. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, again, something that could be seen. You know, these movies, it's 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 a crazy accomplishment that these movies are not considered so bad they're good camp classics. They have all the elements. They have ridiculous dialogue and over-the-top shit and, and stuff yep. that's just completely ridiculous. But yet, it, it hangs on to its legitimacy somehow <laughs> and it's got yeah. it's got this shot of vin diesel glowering with an oil rig behind him in this super over dramatic shot and you, every part of me wants to laugh at it but somehow it's got some kind of gravitas and i don't know why i think it's kind of two parts i think number one it's the movies at least from say three on are so technically well made that like it's hard to sort of lump it in with a bad movie because like the budget is there, the execution is there, even if things are kind of goofy and corny, like the actual production of it all is so on point that it's it's hard to sort of look at this as anything other than like, you know, kind of like a, a at times like a dad joke in an action movie. But the other thing yeah. is that like it's so genuine and pure and the actors are all so committed to it. Like it's not like people are really mailing it in. Like I think that they're all they all yeah. want to be there. They all are having a good time. They're all into the franchise, into the characters. And I think it shows. Like, I think because they care, it works. And I think it elevates it from being sort of either like a generic action movie or like a corny movie or whatever into something that is genuinely appreciated and beloved because they care. They really do. I mean, yeah. I remember listening to an old uh, one of the first episodes of this podcast, and you saying that there were there were going to be moments in the series when you cried. They've gotten more and more. They've gotten. I've cried in three different movies now of the eight. So yeah, <laughs> that's such a testament to these silly, silly movies that it's still able. I remember watching. I guess is it six is the one where he he died halfway through. He died in seven. In seven, and they and they have the where they drive and they go off their separate ways at the yep. end. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. I, I was bawling like a baby, and I yep. was like, I can't believe this. I'm sitting in a theater and I'm crying my eyes out at a fucking Fast and Furious movie. Yep, it gets you though, man. It does. It does. And I don't know how. You make a great point. Like these shouldn't be movies that you are emotionally invested into. They they do have all the campy elements. These should, you know, and they are. They're still plenty of fun. But like, you get to a point where you're like, holy shit! Like you're like really into these, <laughs> and you're like, how did that strike a chord inside me somehow? Sure. And it still does. It's it's really strange. And I I can see now the reasons why you guys are so disappointed by eight is because when you throw too many characters in there and when you have too much ridiculous chaos you know the ridiculousness is part of why people love this franchise but part of why people love this franchise is you know and i can't believe i'm fucking saying this but the family it's it's the investment and the emotional connections between the characters the more random shit you throw into it the farther it gets away from that yeah it really it's like we say that 
maybe these are action movies and or these are car movies obviously the family's a through line and that's what's going to keep you going and keep people that don't stop at some point right yeah it has it has heart it's that unexpected level of heart that these movies have that i think is is what elevates them above a campy terrible movie or a generic action blockbuster yeah true when they have that first race where they qualify to be on the the bad guys smuggling team yep Mm -hmm. they're each given this gps that's like i love this part yeah it's it's like just a little bit more advanced than your normal gps oh because it's actually responsive in real time yeah (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't make you miss a turn. It has scantily clad flag girls on the screen at, at the, the end. Of the I end. know. I love that. Yeah. And it reminded me very much of a game called well, that I'm sure you guys are familiar with called Cruising USA. Of course, I love Cruising USA. It's, yes. It, in New York City, it's said that every laundromat is required by law to have a Cruising <laughs> USA game. Oh, really? It, well, I mean, it's not true. No, I mean, like, I mean, like, does yes. every laundromat have a cruise in USA game? Yeah, I mean, asking, like, not I've, the I've not the little corner, City, not the little corner laundromats with like ten machines. But if you go into laundromats above a certain size, every single one has a cruise in USA game and like a claw game and awesome. one of those things where you put a quarter in and turn it and an egg comes down with some shitty rub-on yes. tattoo. Yeah, but yeah, It's yeah. always Cruising USA and the girls waving the flags on the screen at the beginning. And yep. also, like, the female voice reminded me of, and not just Cruising USA, but there are so many of these. And I believe Fast and the Furious even had one, too. The car is always at the bottom of the screen, and it's the the background that kind of comes towards you yes and you know like it goes position kind uh, of situation it goes as far back as rad racer for the nes or outrun for it, pole position pole position but outrun was always my favorite uh arcade game because you could pick the radio station at the beginning Ooh. and there was always a girl going like oh my goodness wow <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're in Miami. <laughs> Only five <laughs> minutes left. Or <laughs> checkpoint. But that reminded me of that. Like so many, so many memories of those old racing games. I it it prompted me to to want to ask, what are your favorite? They don't have to be those two dimensional games, but what are your favorite car racing video games? I think that the game that I mo- logged the most time on was Gran Turismo Three. I remember when Gran Turismo 3 came out for PlayStation 2, it just looked so much better than every car game that had existed before it, that we played it like an entire summer. Hundreds and hundreds of hours just playing Gran Turismo. It was a single player, I mean we didn't even play multiplayer, but we just played like one account, and we just like tried to unlock all the cars and stuff like that, and I think that that was like the peak of racing games for me and nothing else since then has come close to being as cool as Gran Turismo 3 is. Is that the game that that has the uh the intro that's set to uh my favorite game? Oh 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 oh. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember the intro. What year what year was it? It had to be like 
right after the PlayStation. It was like a launch game for PlayStation Three or PlayStation Two. Christmas sorry, was, it was like it was 2001, April 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I lived in a house with five guys. One of my roommates would be obsessive about video games. He would play the Final Fantasy games long into the night to the point where most days we'd wake up in the morning and he'd still be playing. That game was something he would stay up all night playing because yep. he would play these, like, 500-lap races. Yep, same. We would do the exact same thing. And yep. they took literally hours. We would, like, hand off the controller. We would, like, pause. We would, like, eat lunch, hand off the controller. Somebody would do, like, 50 laps hand off the controller, do another 50, but yeah, that's exactly what we would do. Just so he could unlock (laughs) the cars. Yep. You know, it looked, and it's it's so funny when you think about these old PS2, God forbid, PS1 games, and you think about how impressive they looked and how blown away you were by them. Oh, yeah. It it was just, like, visually stunning to me. Like, I remember there being rain in Gran Turismo 3 and just being like, holy shit, they have everything. Like, this is it. I could sit and watch him drive a car around in circles, and it was like, I can't believe how far video games have come. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, same reaction. Joey, what about you? you. Were you a racing game? I know you're a gamer of sorts, but Mm -hmm. uh, were, were racing games ever on your radar? Well, I was telling Joe on an episode a while back that my dream, and I never played GTA Online. I know that you're a big Grand Theft Auto Online person, but my dream was to become the online world's greatest getaway driver. And so, like, whenever you did, like, a bank heist, I'd just be outside. Like, basically, I would be driver from drive. Like, I'd be gossiping and driving. Like, yes. I don't go in. I don't rob the banks with you, but I'm going to be in the car outside. I'm going to be baby driver. You get in here, I'm going to get you to freedom. Like, that was always my dream. I never played it. I never even, like, tried to play it online. But that was always my dream. The racing games that I played the most, I love the Forza series. Like, the Forza series started on Xbox 360, I think, as, like, a mm-hmm. really hardcore racing sim, which was not fun. And then it sort of became this, like, more fun and just sort of became the the cornerstone. Like, I guess, like, sort of what Gran Turismo was to the PlayStation 2, Forza yep. became to the 360 and Xbox One. And so the regular Forza games are great. The Forza Horizon games, which are sort of like open world, you know, different kinds of like goofy stuff, like you're racing boats and planes and stuff like that sometimes. I love those. Like they put out one, I think every year, like they alternate between the regular ones and Horizon. And those are always ones that like, you know, when it comes out in the fall, I'll put like 80 hours into because like I just love, they look, they're beautiful to do. They're sort of like mind numbing. Like you can just do, yep. you know, I, there's not like a 500 lap race, but there are like these endurance races where it takes three hours to do. And I'll just like, you know, listen to podcasts or listen to music and just sort of zone out and play the race. I love them. I said, I said earlier, I think in the intro that like, I don't love cars, which is still true, but I love those car games because there's some, there's a, there's a, there's a type of Zen, I think about just sort of falling into the, the repetitive pattern and just sort of the the driving and the high speeds and all that sort of stuff. It's the same thing as, like, scrolling through your phone at that point, right? Like, your brain just likes it because it's just, like, a very... Yeah. It's a very soothing yep. action. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Wow, that was... That was a great conversation. (laughs) In a podcast full of great conversations. My goodness. Well, we try. We've got answers for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my next thing I wanted to bring up was when they're all getting ready for that race, you see people. It's the obligatory scene from a Fast and Furious movie where everyone's got their cars out and there's scantily clad women everywhere. And you see all these cars with, like, there's a TV in the back, and there's one with TV screens in the headlights? Am I crazy? (laughs) 
Am I crazy no, 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 or did we, that happen? It really happened, and, I, and I've noticed it before, and I pointed it out to Joey. It's It was jarring to me when I noticed it, too. And it took me, you caught it much faster than I did, because it took me, like, four intent watches to finally see it. But, yeah, there's TV screens in that guy's headlights. And I'm like, <laughs> how does this work, and why? And, like, do you get pulled over? And, like, what do you, it, it doesn't make any sense. What's the point? Like, you know, obviously brought me back to Pimp My Ride. Oh, God. I was thinking, oh, well, this... This is this is sort of a reflection of the whole pimp my ride thing, but the pimp my ride thing was the very early two thousands, if I'm not mistaken. And this movie's from two thousand nine, which seems a little late for that. I think so too. Pimp my ride seemed like it came like like right around high school time to me, so like early to mid two thousands. Oh yeah, uh, I think I'm that's looking when it was at it right big. now. It was it was two thousand four to two thousand nine. So I guess this was sort of the tail end of that. So yeah, maybe it had some influences then. I, I agree with you though. I, it felt like it was earlier than this in my brain. Yeah, there were there were a couple of things in this movie that seemed like remnants of the early two thousands. Like for example, my wife pointed this out. There are so many situations where smartphones would have simplified a lot. I feel like by yes. 2009 there were smartphones were relatively prolific, accessible. Right? Brian's using a flip phone through the whole thing and and you would think if anybody would have a smartphone in 2009 it would be him. Well, that's also something that we we've, we've pointed out and it's it's a little bit of I guess cognitive dissonance in that Tokyo Drift actually happens like years after this. But yeah. like the kids in Tokyo Drift are using these like flip phones that have like 1080p cameras in them and it's like oh <laughs> that's not real but also you know i guess it kind of makes sense if it happens actually in like 2013 2014-ish no no but at the time japan was so far ahead that yeah. that wasn't crazy so like it still makes it dated in japan time they were just technologically advanced enough that it doesn't feel weird looking back on it because we were so far behind yeah and and also they didn't know what the timeline was going to be at that point that was just the movie they could make at that time they had no idea where it was going to fit in the in the mythology one of the bad guys in the movies has a hammer and sickle tattoo on his neck yeah Yeah. phoenix Mm -hmm. (laughs) it made me think like is this guy a devout communist because it seems like what he's doing is pretty capitalist unless <laughs> so I, I think he's a very interesting character where he's just like a collection of intimidating things like that right before like i, I got, i'm watching the movie again for now the third time tonight second time on mute as we're recording i just saw like it just as you said that i looked up and his neck was on screen you could see that but it's in that scene where dom blows up all the cars and i wrote this down that like this is about nitro he's like 70 plymouth you remember the guy's like, yeah, I remember her. You remember her face? Because I can't. And this guy is talking about how he killed Letty, but he didn't kill Letty. Like, we find out in 6 that, like, he shot next to her or whatever, and she got yeah. recruited into Shaw's crew. Like, I want to know why this guy... More, I mean, I want to know why he's got the hammer and sickle tattoo, but I also want to know why he's lying to Dom, who very clearly wants to kill him. It's not a good idea. Like, is he just trying to be, like, manly about it? But, like, to what end? Only pussies drive nitro meth. He's just trying to be cooler than he thinks he is. But also, isn't that a thing that they introduce later that they kind of assume was part of the story all along? Sort of like Marty McFly being hating being called chicken in Back to the Future 2. They didn't know that that was going to happen yet. I guess. Maybe, (laughs) yeah. 
it is weird. Like, I guess that's another thing, like, you know, when, when Wes wrote that email in, like, there's, if you think too much about these movies, the sort of the continuity breaks down. So I guess I shouldn't ascribe too much meaning onto that, but he's, he's sort of like a weird kind of amalgamation of intimidating things that just don't quite gel together. Yeah. The whole communist thing, like... I feel like they could have worked that into the story in an sure. interesting way. Like, I'm just gonna guess that he that he came from a communist country is all Cuba? I'm guessing. It's like, yeah, he's like Cuban or something, and yeah, I think that but... they're trying to sell you that he's Cuban, and he's like, I got this because I was in Cuba, and now I live the big the big dreams in and America. And the other thing to keep in mind is that this is the last of these movies that isn't two hours and ten minutes or longer. Like, this is the last hour 45 movie, and so yes, I feel true. like this is the last one where they're, like, not going more in-depth with characters that you don't necessarily need to know about. Like, you sort of know that he's, like, this villainous, oh, that's the hammer and sickle, that's bad. Like, I know who he is, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's kind of taking shortcuts because it's not Maybe this is like a dog whistle to non-snowflakes or something. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as they <laughs> see the hammer and sickle, they're just like, they just know that like he's a bad guy, like, oh, fucking communist. But, like, he's terrible. But that's, that's the thing. It's like, in the, in the 80s, the bad guys were always the communists, but it wasn't because of socialized medicine or their economic <laughs> system. It was because they were evil Russians. I was actually having a talk with my, with my grandfather-in-law recently and he was saying that like back in the day if somebody was bad from another country it's because they were communist they're communist they they don't believe in what we believe in they're communist nobody even had a frame of reference of what that really meant they just knew that anyone believing in that economic policy was somehow evil bad Maybe the Russians or the the Vietnamese or the Chinese or whoever, their leadership may have been evil or corrupt, but obviously no more evil or corrupt than ours, but in a different way. You have to separate the concept of communism from the bad guys. Because when you you see the evil Russians in Red Dawn or or Rambo, you're not thinking of collectivism or socialism you're thinking of they're just evil having a bad guy in a movie in 2009 who's a (laughs) communist it doesn't really you know that's not really a thing anymore somebody out there has got to have written like their masters like their thesis about like this character and that tattoo like it's got to exist i don't think so i i god i it would have been us if it was anyone (laughs) i feel like that actor just had it you know, maybe, maybe he's a devout. Con- no, let's you look don't him. Get... Fuck, now we need to look him up. Yeah, look him up. You don't it. get okay, you guys a hammer and sickle tattoo on your neck unless you believe in the economic system of communism. <laughs> like, you have to be I don't dedicated. Think so. His name is Laz Alonzo. No, he does not have a tattoo on his neck. He's a, he's he a, a good looking Oh, he doesn't. Also an avatar. Interesting. Yeah, they just they it's like I said. I think it's just like communist tattoo means he's evil, yep. and they're just using the old tropes. Yeah. Yeah, but see, I don't think in 2009, I don't think <laughs> I don't think anybody I know some legitimate communists in real life and they are the least intimidating people you will ever meet. <laughs> now. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like in 2009 there were other things to be afraid of. It's a safe evil. It's a safe evil logo. Like they couldn't make him a Nazi. Yeah. So like, you know, that was true. second runner up or something. Yeah. But it also made me think, like, it would be cool to have a, a bad guy in a film. I think it would also fit into the Fast and Furious world. The bad guy was a devout communist, and he was doing everything he was doing 
in order to promote redistribution of wealth or something. <laughs> I think that's it's Dom being Robin Hood with like the gas at the beginning. Yeah, Ultimately, so if anybody's a communist, communist, it's Dom. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a man. He's of the, the one who's people. always like stealing and giving money away. Yeah. So maybe Cuba. it's about him confronting himself and confronting who he really is through the eyes of Phoenix, through the yes. neck of Phoenix. Maybe it's really deep, and it's like, this is the mere character to him. Yeah, he yeah. Sees, he sees himself in Phoenix. The more laps you take of this <laughs> of this franchise, the deeper you get. Oh, we get, yeah. It gets really zany, yeah. I wrote here, tech restraint, because in in future editions of this franchise, there's so much tech that doesn't exist. And in this movie, they have a little bit of that, like with the crazy GPS, Brian being able to pick out the cars from that screen. But it's really, they give you a taste of what's to come. But I think that can be said for a lot in this movie. So I have a theory, and I've said this before, and it works here too. I think a lot of the things that they do in the Fast and Furious is, especially around this time, they're like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I don't have any evidence of this, but I think that they gauge the audience responses to things. Audience is disappointed Han died in three, so he comes back in four. I think that they throw the like advanced tech out there and if everybody was like this movie isn't realistic anymore they would have toned it down but since nobody bitched about it they're like okay let's push it a little bit further let's push it a little bit further and i think that justin lynn was really in tune with the audience reactions to stuff and i think that we were seeing the natural progression of that like if i think that if everybody would have been like this gps was stupid it would have made the the future of the franchise different but that's just my take on it it's just a theory that has no grounds at all but that's how i feel about this sure Okay, so the minivans. <laughs> the minivans. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but when they when no. they get the Hummer back from the deal gone wrong, yep. and they park it in the impound lot, they park it in a row that's all minivans. <laughs> okay. Number one, it made me think how many minivans are impounded by the police. Like, I feel like not oh. a lot of criminals drive minivans. Except for that guy from Better Call Saul. No, like pedophiles. I thought it would be like a million. Yeah. There's like a ton of like candy, uh, kitty diddlers. Yeah, they parked park the Hummer in the kitty diddler section of the implant lot. My first thought was, oh my God, are they going to jump into a minivan? Is the next Ooh. action sequence going to take place with them driving a minivan? And it made me think, how cool would it be? And every now and then when I play uh, GTA... I love to do a police chase and jump into like a box truck or something and and see how far I can get. Like what shitty form of transportation would you love to see Dom or Brian involve themselves in an action scene with? Well, we see it's not an action scene, but we see Brian driving the minivan in seven where he's yes. driving his True. son to school, so that's the thing. I also want to take a step back. I thought you were going to say he parks in the impound lot because Brian says that's the last place that the cops will check. And I thought you were going to say if he's parking you know, a truck in a line of minivans, all it takes is one cop to be like, hey, wait a minute, that's the minivan yeah. section. Why is there <laughs> yeah. another? Why is there a non-minivan there? There was a Hummer driving kitty diddler in town. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that guy? I would have remembered that. I personally would love to see Dom behind the wheel of like a 1982 Caprice Classic station wagon. Okay. I had a thought. My thought is kind of been done in five, which is I wanted to see one of them driving a garbage truck 
the brothers, the Spanish guys, Rico and Tego, they drive a garbage truck in five. So I was like, oh man, like that's not as original as I thought. Yeah, but, but I mean, I could totally see, I could totally see them souping up a garbage because a garbage truck doesn't have speed, but they could fucking nitro it up, and yeah. that shit could cause a lot of damage. Exactly. I mean, we've seen so many vehicles. I mean, I want to see spaceship. Like that's that's where it's got to be. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I mean, we were talking like. But realistically, like I speed. would like to see like you know something like big and heavy that they have to make fast. Something like you know like a cement mixer or like a dump truck or something. Oh, that's fair. Because later in the series, they have you know Dom's like I want to cross between that and that, where it's like not all about just being fast this time. Like I want to see that sort of like taken to the next level, where it's just like this is not meant to be fast at all, but like this is like our sort of bulletproof kind of thing whatever sure i mean i would i would love to see like them driving a souped up cement mixer and then like one of the bad guys pulls alongside and they just dump cement all over the car in his convertible yeah exactly and they just dump yeah i i see it right now i was thinking if it's not very progressive as far as female characters definitely as far as ethnic representation oh for sure oh particularly uh with hispanic actors and there was uh one hispanic actor that i noticed who played the priest towards the end of the film they they go in church they go to track down I'm looking up the name of the priest. Oh, okay. You know, you you think of this to a lesser extent with African-American actors, but especially with Hispanic and Asian actors, it's always the same handful of people playing very small parts. And, And this is someone who was always the distinguished Hispanic guy in everything and i knew i'd seen him in a lot of things he's probably some guy that has a long and distinguished theatrical career but the only roles he could get were priest his name is marco rodriguez he's had a long career playing bit parts you know as the distinguished hispanic guy but i remembered him from a couple things he was the coach of the Mexican baseball team in Eastbound and Down. Oh, okay. Oh, damn. Okay, okay. Yeah. He was in the movie Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. He was in a little movie called Street Night. Mm, there um, we go. Mm, this is Joey's which, favorite movie. So uh, Joey alluded to it before. Uh, I used to have a VHS copy of Passenger 57. We used to watch it a lot, not for the movie, but because there was a trailer before it for a movie called Street Night, which starred a guy named Jeff Speakman, who was a long-forgotten action star of the 90s, Kenpo Karate expert. But this movie was sort of capitalizing on the gang and racial unrest of the early 90s, and they were two gangs in LA who were going to have a big war and it was being orchestrated by a group of bank robbers to cover up for a heist but anyway there was a Latino cop that had a very big part and he was fighting to keep the gang truce and he was played by uh, Marco Rodriguez that's crazy I remember this movie vividly because Joey spent a long time looking for this movie finally found Street Night I, I hope that he's watched it since. Well, Marco Rodriguez is also going to be in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
No. Oh, damn. Yeah. Joey, have you watched Street Night, though? Oh, I've seen Street Night. I, I watched Street Night a bunch of times. Like, Larson and I watched it a handful of times in his basement. Yeah. Oh, cool. I own several copies of it. <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. You're not too big. Think about it. You know, he's one of these guys who's who's fantastic, and because he just gets the part of the Hispanic guy, he's never really... And, and you know, it makes me... It, it makes me glad that we live in a time when people, actors of different races that you don't get to see represented, get juicy roles where they get to actually be characters. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Fast and Furious before we play a couple games to uh, wrap up this episode, Larson? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I we we've had so much to talk about. I feel like we're running long. I have one or two things. Then, Joe, if you want to say anything. So, uh, number one, you know, I, I think we talked about. I think this is something that popped into my brain because of Los Bandoleros. But when what? Dom goes to that mechanic, that that body shop, right, to find out who mm-hmm. you know who David Park is, how that whole underground scene, whatever. And the guy gives him shit, and he's like, this ain't your scene anymore. And then, you know, he says, like, to say hi to your sister for me. But I was just thinking about how in Los Bandoleros, Dom was talking about how he hadn't been back to America in a while, right? Like, he he's not part True. of the scene anymore. Yeah. And I feel like there's this whole world that the world keeps on moving, and, like, this guy who had been so vital and important to this scene, to this world, is no longer part of it and like the, the world keeps yeah. moving on and we see that here it's not just the guys being a dick to Dom because like he you know he just he really isn't a part dick, of but just because anymore. like he's not part like he doesn't owe him anything like he's not the godfather he's been gone for years or whatever he doesn't have to like he's not like he has to live in fear of him he's just a guy who like is wanted by the cops mm-hmm. he's a phantom Right, yeah. he's just like he's lore at this point. And the only other thing that I made a note of was that at the very beginning, when they're doing the gas heist, right, and Rico and Tega were saying, you know, they're talking about how like bank jobs are easy because banks don't move. And I was like, just wait one movie until the, 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 <laughs> yes. the safe is on the move through the streets of Rio, and you guys are part of it, right? Like, you know, they're like, I don't, I don't yeah. like doing this because you, you have to time the the hinge right, the winch. You know, it's sort of a they're they're teasing like, a, oh, banks don't move, but as we know. A safe through the streets of Rio. Exactly. Yeah. It, it. I like the little foreshadowings we get that are like afterthoughts, really, like or yeah. pre-thoughts. Yeah. I had one thing. It's just a general question for you guys. Do you think that Paul Walker is the most handsome in this movie of any of the Fast and the Furious movies? Ooh. Depends. I think on what on what type of Paul Walker you're into. I like clean cut, clean cut business suit Paul Walker. I think he's like very handsome in this. Yeah, one. he looks great in a suit. I, I actually read that this is the first movie where he has brown hair. Yes, we talked about this before, too. Yeah, yeah he changes his hair color. Yeah, he was blonde the whole other times until now. He, I mean, everybody looks better in a suit, but Paul Walker... He carries it, though, right? He's a damn good-looking yeah. guy. Shout out to Men's Warehouse. Thank you. <laughs> I think, Joe, we're, well, let's skip the car guessing game today, because this is a longer episode. We'll Fine. skip that. We'll do that the next time. But we have two things to do. Cool. Yep. Before we get to the Twitter game, which always comes second, yep. Joe, we're going to do... Thank you. Larson, we're going to find out which Fast and Furious character you are. So if you listen to an early episode of the show, you know that we had found an online personality quiz where it was like a series of like 10 or 12 questions that gave us sort of an answer roughly of who you were. Joe and I did it better. We created our own. We're going to yes. run you through it right now. We're going to find out which of the 20 characters you are that we have as possibility. Are you ready for this? Oh, man, I am psyched. So there's seven questions. Each question has six answers. There's no wrong answers. It's whatever best defines you. So here we go. So, Larson, question number one, how fast are you? Are you NASCAR, roller coaster, Lamborghini Murcielago, Toyota Prius, Vespa, or Razor Scooter? 
I'd say, wow, Prius and Lamborghini are... How fast are you? No, but those are... It goes from Lamborghini to Prius? Yeah. Jenny has written in that said uh, Lamborghini actually tops out faster than a roller coaster, so it kind of goes from roller coaster down to Prius, but yeah, there's not, you know... You know what? I'll say Prius. Okay. I feel like all these kind of personality quizzes are sort of like measures of extremes, right? Like it's not, yeah. you, you don't want to have like just You're like a, a gradient. Chevy Cruiser or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I like to go fast when it comes time, but... You also want to be eco-friendly about it. Exactly. Number two, Larson, how furious are you? The Hulk, Kylo Ren, Christian Bale on that one set that one time, Mel Gibson, Charlie Brown, or Jack McBrayer? Charlie Brown. Okay. Okay. I'm certainly not furious enough to be anti-Semitic uh, <laughs> or to abuse crew members. You mentioned earlier, I think I don't, we might have, it might have been before we started recording, but you were just at my barbecue that we've talked about on here. You and Joe met up in person for the, for the second or third time. So sure. we're having a barbecue. We're throwing a barbecue. How are you helping? Are you manning the grill? Are you saying grace? Are you kicking back with a beer? Are you babysitting? Are you being the entertainment? Or are you sneaking a snack? Oh, boy. I guess I'd be the entertainment. Why not? Okay. Yeah, I can see it. Now, Larson, you've got time to kill. What are you doing? How are you spending this time? Are you grabbing a bite? Are you working in your car, hanging with friends, drinking a beer, working out, or working on your computer? I'm hanging with friends. Okay. I'm a social kind of... I'm a social animal. You are the Captain Good Times, after all. (laughs) Now, this one, I know the answer to, but I want you to pick one of these answers. Larson, describe your wedding. I'm never getting married. You know that's not true. It's just me and my partner. It's us and our families. It's a backyard country affair. Everyone I know is there. I don't remember. Everyone I know is there? I don't know if I want everyone I know there. <laughs> but uh, a backyard country affair, I think, yeah. suits me. You know, your wedding was indoors, but it sort of had that kind of the rustic, outdoorsy sort of backyard sort of feel, right? Like I wanted it to have the feel of, maybe I didn't know it at the time, but I wanted it to have the feel of a Toretto family uh, barbecue. I mentioned on this very podcast that you had Coronas there, so, I mean, it felt family that way. (laughs) So, All right, Larson, congratulations. You just won the lottery. What are you buying? Your own garage, a private plane, I'm gambling it all away, my childhood home, a fleet of cars, or a new life? I'd buy my childhood home. Okay. That would be awesome. Powerful. Now, Larson, final question. What is your drink of choice? Belgian ale, Corona, something fruity, water, whatever's cheapest, or just whatever you're having? I would say whatever's cheapest. Okay. (laughs) They always say you're not buying it, you're renting it. This is very exciting. You are a new character we've never had before. Wow. Okay. You are, I want to see how likely it is. Again, sort of middle of the road. There's a 5% chance of you getting this character. Joe, do you have any guesses? I don't know, because he threw me for a loop with that whatever's cheapest question. I I remembered that this character, like, that answer sort of, like, not guarantees this character, but, like, really points you in that direction. Larson, you are Twinkie. You are Bow Wow from Tokyo Drift. (laughs) It's a good character. Larson, the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover, describes you perfectly. Say that you have a big personality would be an understatement. Your style is loud and you talk fast, but that belies what you've got on the inside. You're charismatic, you love interacting with all types of people, and you're always looking for your next big deal. You're also fiercely loyal to the people you decide are worthy of being your family. You fit in by sticking out because everyone knows who you are, but no one really knows what you're capable of, and you drive like the wind blows. 
Wow. So that was a write-up done by uh, one of our listeners, Wes Hampton, Mr. and Mrs. Wes. Shout out, Wes. Uh, but again, I think that that description of you is pretty accurate. I have to say so. Yeah, absolutely. So you are our first Twinkie. Congratulations. Welcome to the family. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and Joey was worried about the spread of this quiz, and we've like gotten a lot of different the characters. The last five people who have the... taken the quiz have gotten five different answers. So I mean yeah. there's nothing you can't you can't ask for more than that. Larson, the last game we play in this show is something called This Ain't No Ten Second Race, aka Boy Do We Have a Podcast. Oh my god for you. I already won this game. So <laughs> in my heart I'm gonna review what we did last time, but Larson, I want you to go on Twitter right now and I want you to find okay. any tweet that you think someone who sent that tweet would enjoy our like show. so what i'm gonna reply, do is i'm gonna go comment, on like the show i'm gonna go on our too fast too forever twitter which is at too fast too forever and respond to them by saying boy do we have a podcast for you link them to our show page hashtag too fast too forever hashtag 2f2f hashtag fast and furious there's no yes, wrong answer. Find a tweet. It's very copy difficult. Link to tweet. Wow. It's very okay. Hard. You know, I'm trying to think of what to search for that that would be specific to this movie. You know, I I don't want to search for Paul. Do you want Walker. me to go first? What's the substance he finds at the crime scene? Nitro meth. Nitro meth. Nitro meth might get you a lot of really weird. It tweets. might be. Okay. So Joe, Good. I'm going to review what we did last time. So Tokyo Drift, I sent to Lucifer X, and the problem is. The account is still there, but he deleted the tweet. So that page does not exist. Oh. So my reply, I don't know where my reply is. So no points. You lost. Mm. Yeah, definitely no points. Joe, you went to Han Swolo at Diesel the Diesel Online. <laughs> Girlfriend was hungry when I got off work, so I cooked up some homemade fried chicken and mashed potatoes. <laughs> and I don't think she's ever been in, more in love with me. Hashtag husband material. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Makes sense. Our guest last episode, Dan the Duke Hayden, who was actually in a an improv group with Christian Larson at our college. Uh-huh. Action Squad yeah. 2095. He found Bow Wow on Twitter, at S. Moss, new music, Bow Wow, green light, six mixtape full. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. Nothing. Okay. So Do me, should I go first or last? This I got a good one. Well, you I think should every I time first? you say you have a good one, and it's not it doesn't necessarily come true. But let's go go first because I haven't I haven't looked yet. Okay, my tweet <laughs> is from Sentimental Cactus <laughs> at <laughs> Melly Telly. Mm-hmm. She tweets, "I think I'm going to tattoo a communist symbol." Boy, oh, do okay. we do we have, have a, a podcast? podcast for you? <laughs> yeah, do we though? That's the question. <laughs> if she listens to this episode, maybe we do. Yeah. All right. Melly Telly, boy, do a podcast for you. All right. So I just sent it. Joe, your, your ballot is cast. The die is cast. That's it. I'm good. Yeah. Well, I, I have one, but... Well, actually, I'm torn between two. I did a search for nitro meth. A lot of these quotes, uh, a lot of these tweets are about how nitro coffee makes them feel like they're on meth. Oh, okay. Okay. But but a lot of these are from inactive accounts from, like, 2013. There are two that were posted this month. One... Pick whatever one goes. Go with your gut. Get one. You get one shot. Is this your shot? So I found mine. So, Larson, while you mull yours over, yeah. I found Drewski on Twitter, at Drew Covera. Corvera. It's, uh, he quote-tweeted someone called Sad Cure, 
everyone that rides with me, and it's Brian driving in that race, like, against the producer who's left the franchise, the more than you make in a yeah. year, more than you can afford Ferrari. And yeah. it's a it's a video of somebody putting a video, like, I, they, they edited a guy in there just saying, why are you driving so fast? And the tweet is, Drew, Drew quotes that, and he says, LMFAO, don't let me hear that Tokyo Drift song, because, bitch, we zoom in. <laughs> Boy, do we have a podcast for you. I think we all pick winners tonight. These are great. Yeah, okay. I the two tweets that were posted within the month by active accounts, one of them was about how nitro coffee feels like meth. The other simply <laughs> said, only pussies run nitro meth. I feel like it would kind of be a long shot that the person talking about coffee uh, would be interested in the podcast, but someone quoting Fast and Furious puss- yes. definitely would be. So mine goes out to Ricardo, a.k.a. at Ricar underscore Doe, D-O-U-G-H, 562. Boy, do we have a podcast for you. That's a good pick, That's dude. a really That's good pick. That's a really pick. good pick. Yeah, because he's like, if he if he's like quoting four, yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. in it. So. Boy, do we have a podcast for him. Well, Larson, thank you so much for giving him a podcast to listen to. We really appreciated having you here and trying to bring that. This was a that great one. Insight, the stuff that we haven't necessarily talked about a lot. Um, we got we got some we got we got communist deep tattoos on communist tattoos on video. Yeah, game, we went deep on a lot of stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Is there anywhere that if if people listen to this, they're like, boy, I can't get enough of this guy. Is there anywhere that you want people to find you? You don't currently have an active podcast, as far as I know, but is there anywhere that people you want people to find you on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere else? Shout out your SoundCloud. Shout out your SoundCloud. Yeah, well, I mean, I do, I do some some raps, but mm-hmm. uh, I keep them kind of personal for now. I'm on Instagram at Captain Good Times, C A P N Good Times. I do a thing called Larson Flicks, hashtag Larson Flicks, like Netflix, where I take screenshots of whatever I'm watching at the time. And there's some pretty good stuff on there. So if you're a movie buff, uh, you can check that out. Cool. Check out hashtag Larson Flicks. And thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. I haven't said this since we recorded the Cage Club The Rock episode back in the day, but I'm sorry that you have to edit this. Oh, no, it's totally fine. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) I got nothing but time, so don't worry about it. But it was so great having this conversation with you It was awesome, man. Yeah, I I had a blast. I'm glad we finally got you Joe, for a little bit of background, uh, we were an hour into recording our The Rock episode, Mike, me, and Larson, and he said... I'm only at the top of page two of my five pages of notes, and I said, "God damn it!" <laughs> I found my inner Bob Odenkirk, and just yeah. You know, but that, that episode wasn't crazy long. But again, it's sort of like, a, "When else are you going to have a chance to talk about The Rock?" Let's get it all sure. out there. Exactly. For all things too fast, too forever, you can go to cageclub.me, Facebook.com/slash too fast, too forever, or at too fast, too forever on Twitter and maybe Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFast2Forever.com. No episode next week, as far as I know, unless something wild happens. But we'll be back in two weeks for Fast Five. Keep this walk down memory chain continuing with some new guests. And also, it's going to be two guests in two weeks. One new and one returning favorite. One Too Fast, Too Forever all-star. A true all-star. We'll get there when we get there. But come back in two weeks for Fast Five. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And that was Christian Larson of... Hashtag Larson Flakes and Monkey Club. And we'll see you in two weeks for Fast Five, right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Black Star, break it down. Do it
Sounds it.